Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water.
Good afternoon, all. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Stephan. You are listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It is Thursday, June 2nd, 2016. It's about eight and a half minutes past noon Pacific time. If that's when it is where you're at, we are, in fact, live. You can call in as long as you figure out where you're at and what time it is there. You can figure out that, okay, noon Pacific, what does that mean? Well. It, it It is a problem. I run into this all the time, dealing with different guests from all around the country and the world. It's even more difficult keeping the time straight. But uh, easy guide is, uh, look, we got three time zones, Pacific, Mountain. Well, actually, I guess we have more than three, <laughs> don't we? Yeah, we do, don't we? But we have uh, here in the mainland, because there is Hawaiian time, which kind of throws things real off because it goes the uh, the other way, because here on the West Coast, everything is later, usually, unless you go to Hawaii, then everything is earlier. But, you know, and as you know, we do have a host in Hawaii, so, you know, it's uh, it's it's it can be interesting. But general rule, three hours, okay, from the East Coast to the West Coast difference, in between, you know, you got to figure out what time zone you're in. But if we're live, call in 800-932-1980. You can also go to the chat room. We don't have to be live. It can be any time of the day or night. And uh, you've got a decent chance of seeing somebody in the chat room. Not always, but uh, it's surprising at, you know... <laughs> different times of the middle of the night where there is actually somebody in the chat room. So that's open 24-7, and it is there for you. You can socialize or, you know, participate in the show, whichever way you would like to do. Anywho, if Yahoo Instant Messenger decides it's working, you can use that. My screen name is AVRN Talk. Okay, so there we have all that good stuff. Let's get to some uh, things. I'll get this. This is great. 
Oh, yeah, and, uh... Uh, somebody's reminding me about Alaska time is between Hawaiian and East and and Pacific, but hey, you know nobody lives in Alaska. <laughs> That's a joke. I'm I'm just kidding. We have listeners in Alaska. As a matter of fact, uh, I think uh, was it Jay or was it Doctor Krupa? I I forget who it was. Somebody was mentioning they got an email or a call from somebody in Alaska. Thanking them for their show. So, we've had several people call in from Alaska, and, and, you know, it's just not very pop. But huge state. You know, like, what, twice the size of Texas and, uh, you know, half the population of Rhode Island or something. It's just, it's really, uh, but then again, it's Alaska. The European Union is proposing a government ID for using the Internet, which will eradicate both online privacy and, of course, free speech. Spearheaded by former communist official Andres Anslip, the European Commission published a draft document outlining its proposed electronic ID that would not only allow the EU to track what you say online, but also what you buy. According to the document, quote, it is recognized that a multitude of username and password combination is both inconvenient and a security risk. However, the frequent practice of using one's platform provide to access a range of websites and services often involves non-transparent exchanges and cross-linkages of personal data between various online platforms and websites as a remedy. A remedy? Wait a minute. You see, do you see how things get flipped around here? The government is demanding transparency from you and me, but they are not providing any transparency to us about what they're doing. See, they have completely flipped this around and really think we are the masters, we are the rulers, we are in charge. We are mo- you're your, we're your mommy and your daddy, and we want to know what you're doing at all times, and you don't get to ask us what we're doing. Remember that from, you know, mom and dad? They tell you how it is and what it's going to be, and you'd say, yeah, but what about you? And they tell you to shut your mouth or you're going to, you know, be smiling out of the other side of your head, that sort of thing. Yeah, well, that's how the government's treating the people. Well, here in America, it ain't that way, but they'd like it to be that way. See, the Europeans were foolish enough to give up their guns because they were all tired of war. (laughs) Well, hey, guess where they are now? They're nothing but slaves being invaded by murderous savages that call themselves Muslims. Why? Because their mommy and daddy let them in the house to babysit them. That's why. They let the barbarians in to babysit the little fellas. Oh, now what's going to happen? Oh, hey, women are getting raped all across Europe now. Yay, isn't that fun? And they call me a misogynist. Yeah, right. Okay, fine. You see, you've got lesbians like Merkel in there. Oh, a former, former, okay, former East German bureaucrats like Merkel letting these Muslim savages in to, you know, brutalize the German people. And they got the nerve. Huh, man, you know, anyway, 
As a remedy, in order to keep identification simple and secure, consumers should be able to choose the credentials by which they want to identify or authenticate themselves. In particular, online platforms should accept credentials issued or recognized by national public authorities, such as electronic or mobile IDs, national ID cards, or bank cards. Wow, this is that's just great, isn't it? Folks, they're not doing this because, oh, they love you and they want to protect you, okay? See, their deal is falling apart, is what's happening. They're running out of time. Their deal is falling apart. The people are starting to wake up, and they're panicking, and they are rushing things, okay? This is not their time. This is our time, okay? You know, things might seem bleak, and they are pretty bleak, actually. Things have gone way, way too far and way, way too fast, but why so fast? What's the rush, Bubba? Well, the rush is they're running out of time. They know they're running out of time. You see, these people in charge are far more aware of the big picture than most people are, all right? That's the bottom line. There is something bigger going on than just, oh, golly, everybody's stupid and this just went out of control. <laughs> no, it isn't. This has been a agenda from the beginning of our creation. All right? And what is that agenda? To destroy mankind. Now, you don't like that. You, I know, you know, more and more people every day think, oh, you know what, I've decided I'm smarter than God. Uh, yeah, he doesn't exist. That's a fairy tale. It's a Jewish fable. It's a this, it's a that. And I'm smarter than that. I'm all about it, man. It's all in my mind. It's all in my heart. Yeah, sure it is. You keep thinking that. You know what? Somebody said one time, you know, Satan's biggest weapon is to have people think Satan doesn't exist. And that's what's gone on. But you see, the the people at, top, at the top, they know what's going on. They know they are running out of time. Okay? And they have fallen a little behind. And you know how that goes. You know, you, okay, you're given this much time. And, you know, you play around, you, you don't worry about it much, and time's ticking away, and then all of a sudden you realize, holy smokes, I'm way behind and I'm running out of time. Well, it might not be a full-fledged panic, but you start hurrying up. You start cutting corners. You start, you know, rushing around. Maybe you start working, uh, you know, 20-hour days. Instead of, you know, the eight-hour days you could have done, now you're a little tired. You get a little careless. You start making mistakes. That's where they're at, okay? That is where they're at, and that is encouraging, folks. But the drawback is we have a majority of the population 
Uh, I mean, we, we throw around the term zombie, and we think, well, you know, yeah, oh, yeah, their, their, their skin turns gray, they get dark rings around their eyes, and they eat flesh and walk around like Frankenstein, right? They don't bend their knees. Zombies apparently can't bend their knees, right? So, uh, really? See, I think that is a deliberate misconception of that, because the zombie is the majority of our population. The zombie is the one sitting there with their face, you know, just two feet from the, uh, you know, the little iPhone there that they just can't even look up. The zombie is the one getting run down in the uh, crosswalk because they don't watch traffic because they're too busy texting somebody on their little iPhone or something. That's a zombie. A zombie is somebody who stares at Fox News day in and day out, can only repeat what the talking heads on TV have told them. That's a zombie in my, in my estimation, and uh, our country has probably over 50% of them. Now, that sounds real bad, but when we look throughout history, listen, revolutionaries have always been just a small percentage of the population. What do they figure in the uh, Revolutionary War, 3 or 5%? I think 5% is the high, 3 is the hello, so let's call it 4%, right? So 4% of the population was actually involved in the Revolutionary War. Now, that's not to say that another larger section wasn't supportive. You know, the fans in the stands up there cheering you on, throwing you, uh, you know, popcorn and stuff as you run by, right? Those guys. That's not to say there weren't those guys, but then again... There were also the Tories, the ones that were rooting on the British. Things are not changed by the majority. You've got to get that through your head. See, we've been fed this line of BS by our public school system. It's not just the public school system. It's the private school system, too. Because, see, a lot of people don't realize, and private schools don't make a real issue of telling people that, oh, yeah, we get this much money from the federal government every year, and, oh, oh, yeah, and because we get that money from the federal government every year, we are required, we are obligated to follow the federal education department guidelines, just like a public school. Now, the difference is public school administrators, they take whatever's written down and they take it and they run with it and they go crazy with it and they do as much of it as they possibly can because they've been educated in, well, in manipulation, in the social globalist agenda. And that's what they push. Private school administrators are more, well, independent, more private. So they take the guidelines and they only do what they absolutely have to do. But, folks, they still do it. All right? Your children are still being taught the federal line of BS, even at private school. I mean, I'm not saying private schools aren't any better than public because they are uh, uh, overall on the most part. I'm sure there's some private schools out there that are even worse than a public school. But, I mean, you know, overall, I think uh, 
private schools are generally better than public schools, generally. And and there's some I'm sure there's some very good public schools out there also. Some. But we're talking the majority and, and you know, you cannot let the exception make the rule. Oh wait, we live in America. Isn't that our form of government now where the exception makes the rule every time? You see, this is how Obama has run this government for the last eight years, where the exception is making the rule. Transsexuals? These freaks? What are they? What? A half of a half percent? And all of a sudden, there's national policy about what they want? Who the hell cares what they want? Homosexuals? What? Maybe. Maybe. And I'm really stretching this. I'm giving that because, hey, you know, uh, I know the little boys have been feminized now for probably a generation through using soy formula, the vaccinations, and, of course, the school manipulation where they're taught to be a bunch of little panty-waist fairies, okay? Connect with your feelings. Look, you know what? Men have feelings. They just keep them to themselves. All right? That's all. You know, and really, that's why back in the day, that's why men had more heart attacks than women. Why men had more strokes than women. Why men had more, you know, of those type of health problems, stress-related health problems than women. Because, you know, men suppress their emotions. This is what is natural for us. But now, oh, not now. Words hurt. Oh, I'm offended. Look at these. Look at these twenty-something-year-old so-called men. I mean, honestly, honestly, it's it's disturbing. And you know, I, I can't even say, well, it's it's their fault. Because it's really not their fault. Okay, here's the thing. Let's say, uh, so you're brought up in the hood. And, uh, you know, mom's a crack uh, whore. And uh, dad ain't around. He's in prison, maybe. You live in the projects. And everybody you see who's got anything. Wow. There's Joey Knuckles down the uh, hallway, man, and he's got uh, he's got cool jewelry. He drives a Mercedes. He's got women in and out of his apartment all day and all night. Man, that guy's got it made, and he's murdered his way to the top, man. Wow. So you're brought up in this situation here. You know, you don't go to school, and when you do, there's no books and there's no real teachers there. So, you know, you're not getting much of an education except, from Joey Knuckles down there going, wow, look at him. He's really living it up. How'd you do that, Joey? Well, I killed all my enemies. And I kill anybody who challenges me. Oh, wow. So this is what you're taught. So is it really that kid's fault when he grows up, gets old enough, uh, should I say not grows up, because 16, 17, you ain't grown up, but hey, you're old enough to kill people. 
is it really his fault when he goes out there and starts shooting people to get ahead in the world? That's all he's been taught. That's all he knows. Nobody's taught him any different. See, the humanists say, oh, well, we're all inherently good. Well, if we were all inherently good, kids would know. Wow, what Joey Knuckles is doing is wrong. That's just wrong. I, I, I want to get ahead, but I can't do that because it's wrong. And I just know it is. Because nobody's told me. Because I live in an environment that is completely collapsed and nobody told me. But I know. Well, that's not the case. They don't know. Okay? Because we're not inherently good. We have to be taught the law. And guess what? Whether you like it or not, humanists, socialists, globalists, whoever you are. You can't murder, not because the government has codified murder as a crime. Murder is a crime because God said murder is a crime. How do you like that? Oh, wait a minute. Where's that separation of church and state now? Huh? Humanist? Oh, you don't want you don't want any you don't want any god anywhere in your world. Well, then what gives you the right to make any moral laws for me? Who are you to tell me I can't murder somebody, huh? You're nobody. You see? If nobody's there to teach these children that, oh, by the way, murdering people is wrong. Really wrong. And here's why it's wrong. And, you know, if they're not taught, they won't know. And this is what we're ending up with. And, oh, well, hey, you know, I mean... What do you mean? Oh, well, let's see here. See, I was wrong in um, about Chicago. Yeah. I, I keep using 40, and that's just a normal weekend, okay? That's why I keep using 40. Uh, 40 people shot every weekend. Well, yeah, but that that's not Memorial Day weekend. See, that's a banner weekend. That's a holiday you got to step it up, man. You know why? <laughs> this weekend, Memorial Day, apparently I was correct, uh, you know, Death Envy Day, because apparently these people in Chicago really do envy death. Because 69 people were shot. In Chicago over the weekend. Wow. Okay, so it's, uh, let's see, what is it? June? Just turned June? Uh, there's already been 250 homicides this year. And, oh, here we go. Get this, get this, get this. 1,500 shootings so far. Wow. 
if things keep going on the uh, same pace they are now, Chicago will end up with 3,000 shootings and 500 deaths from shootings this year. How's that gun control working out for you? Hmm? Why don't we go to some place where, you know, they say, uh, hey, listen, uh, we have a law, which, of course, won't be enforced, but we have a law that says every every uh, everybody in this city has to own a gun, has to have a gun in their house. Let's check those numbers. Folks, listen. All the statistics show the current gun control scheme, which is basically confiscation and infringement, is a failed policy. Look, you know what? I mean, everybody has the right to keep and bear arms. If their gun control scheme had actually worked, okay, and people could say, well, now look, Chicago and Washington, D.C., that have the strictest gun control laws in the world, other than all-out bans. I'm not counting places that just ban guns from everybody, but any place that allows their citizens to have any kind of guns, like you know, like Australia or something. They're pretty strict there, too, but nothing like Chicago or Washington, D.C. Now, if we could point to those cities and say, now, see, since they instituted this harsh gun control, look, shootings have gone way down. Homicides have gone way down. This is working. Well, then we could say, well, gee, hmm. Okay, well, you know, nobody wants everybody shot. And uh, even though it's all right, you know, maybe you could consider, well, all right, maybe this isn't a bad idea. But you see, it's exactly the opposite. The more gun control they have, the more murders they end up having. It's a failed policy. Only an idiot keeps doing stuff like this. We're going to take a break. We'll be back in a bit. Ocean, 
and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. I would like to tell you about the only truly natural dog and cat food I have found anywhere. Most all companies add a synthetic vitamin mineral pack to their dry or kibble food. Nature's logic is different. With all natural ingredients and nothing man-made added, their owner, Scott Freeman, worked for another pet food company but decided he wanted to do things right. So he started Nature's Logic. You can check them out at naturelogic.com. You will find online and local stores where you can find their products. I spent a lot of time trying to find an all-natural pet food, and Nature's Logic was the only one out there. Give your pets the best and check out naturelogic.com. Your pets will be glad you did. They also have many other natural pet products to try. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific.
All right, we're back. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Stephan. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It's still Thursday, June 2nd, 2016, about 1244 out here on the Pacific Time Coast, 800-932-1980 is the call-in number. You can also go to the chat room, uh, theamericanvoice.com or americanvoiceradio.com. And uh, anyhow, Yahoo Instant Messenger, AVRN Talk is my screen name. All right, let's get to some stuff. Anyway... Oh, what to do? Which one to do here? Okay, let's just start here. How about this? You know, folks, uh, I've mentioned this years ago, and I've mentioned it several times, and so have other people. I mean, it's not like this is, it's it, it's not a secret so much as it's just not being reported by, say, oh, Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, or any of the others, because it would harm your confidence. See, everything in this country is based on confidence. Because it's a con game, folks. You're being conned. That's what the con in confidence is. Con game. 2,234 people contract HIV after transfusion in India. Now, you might think, well, India, so what? That's there. This is here. Oh, yeah? Well, guess what? The American Red Cross is there, too. The blood supply, the world blood supply, has been tainted for decades now. There are almost no hemophiliacs left. They're all dead because they were given tainted medication to keep them from bleeding out. It's made from blood products, which were all tainted. They all got AIDS and died. In the last 17 months alone, 17 months alone, 2,234 people across India have been infected with human immo, uh, immunodeficiency virus, HIV, while getting blood transfusions. The maximum number of such cases, 361, was reported from Uttar Pradesh due to unsafe blood transfusion practices in hospitals. Last, see, this is what they say. Oh, uh, you know, it was human error. It was the hospital staff. It was dirty needles. So what are you telling me, folks? Are you telling me that somebody actually used the same needle on 361 people? Come on. Have any, you know, most of you out there probably have never used needles. Okay? And I have never done an intravenous drug in my life, okay? But I have hooked up other people. I was trained as a corpsman. I've had animals my whole life. I grew up on a farm. You know, farmers have always, not like today. Now, today, they just give their animals antibiotics in the water, man, every day. But farmers have always treated their animals when they got sick, 
with antibiotics but or, or whatever other drug they needed, and that was through injection. So I learned to inject, you know, pretty early with people, and then I got actually formally trained in it. And I can tell you, you can't use a needle more than, say, Two, three times, man, before you might as well just go out and get a nail out of the yard, man. After that, they get dull because they're they're really sharp, okay, to begin with. And that's so they slide into your skin really easy and, you know, without a lot of pain. And But they dull really easy also because they're not all that high quality because these needles today are not meant to be used over and over and over and over again. They are what's called disposable. And this is supposed to be because, well, hey, one-time use, throw them out. There's no chance of passing on any diseases that way because, you know, back in the old day, they were made really sturdy, had a real sharp edge on them that didn't dull out. And then they were thrown in these, uh, you know, these like, kind of like they look like microwaves, except they're like high steam, high heat, you know, things. And they put them in there and kill everything on there. And But, you know, if you don't do it right, you didn't do it at all. So, you know, the one-time use things, you can't use today's needles 361 times. I'm sorry. So to say, oh, well, it was unsafe blood transfusion practices in the hospital is not believable when you understand what they're telling you here and what's actually going on. All right? See, but most people don't know that. Most people don't know you can't use these needles that way. Or, like I said, you might as well just, you know, get a nail, get a, get a, a roofing nail out of, your, out of your toolkit and jam it into your arm. So, if it's not that, then what is it? It's the blood. That's the part. You see, they're, they're okay to say, well, it was the hospital's fault. They did something wrong. Don't worry. We'll take care of it. We'll fix it. And, uh, you know, so you're just lucky you didn't go to that hospital. Oh, really? How come it's happening all across? Is everybody in every hospital in India just stupid and incompetent? They don't do their job right? Really? Or is it the blood? It's the blood, folks. But you see, they don't want to tell you that because if they tell you, well, the worldwide blood supply is tainted with hepatitis and AIDS and every other imaginable terrible disease you can uh, think of, well, people would start going, oh, my gosh, I'm not, de- I'm not doing that. And that would cut into their profit because you know how much a pint of blood costs at the hospital? Yeah, a lot. You know, that blood that people donate for free? And get, you know, maybe a glass of orange juice and a cookie for it. Yeah, the hospital's getting thousands for it. Just last week, a three-year-old boy from Assam Kurup District admitted to the Guanti Medical College and Hospital for Treatment of Burn Injuries is reported to have contracted HIV due to transfusion of contaminated blood. Government is in denial, of course. The government has been slacking on raising AIDS awareness due to budget cuts. What awareness? There's no awareness. If you go get a blood transfusion, folks, you're in trouble. Cases like these keep happening over and over again, and no action is taken against error hospitals and blood banks. 
blood banks, folks. They keep going. Well, the hospitals and the blood. It's the blood, folks. It's the blood. And uh, where are they getting their blood? You know, where are they getting their blood? And now let's say here, hmm, who has the biggest populations on Earth? Uh, well, that would be India and China. See, we all hear about China a lot. Oh, there's a billion Chinese over there, a billion Chinese over there. Well, there's a billion Indians, too, you know. India is as big as China. Gee, hey, I wonder if maybe this could be a population control effort, huh? Ah, anyway, let's move on. Okay, you guys out there now, you know, you listen to AVR, right, and you hear the health shows we have, and none of them, nobody on this network that I know of, uh, encourages anyone to take any over-the-counter medications. You know, there are supplements and herbal, uh, you know, uh, remedies, and there's all kinds of other things you can do other than over-the-counter pharmaceutical poison. New research is warning about a possible link between a very common allergy medicine and dementia. Dr. Max Gomez reported that long-term use of an antihistamine, antihistamine, sorry, <laughs> antihistamine, known as, oh, forget that name. I'm not even going to try. It's commonly sold as Benadryl, okay? and included in many over-the-counter medications for cold and allergies, may increase the risk of dementia and even cause irreparable harm. The drug in Benadryl, which is also in many other things, also causes drowsiness. And it's also in popular sleep aids, such as Tylenol PM, Advil PM, and z But, so they named it, what, did they re rename NyQuil to ZQuil because people were too stupid to go, NyQuil? What does NyQuil mean? What did that mean? Oh, Z, oh, I get it, sleep. It's really, are we that dumbed down, really, that we, uh, anyway, I would take these medications myself only very rarely, and I will try at all costs to avoid taking them for long term, Stanford psychiatrist Barbara Somerset. Summer is an expert on anticholinergic drugs like the one in Benadryl. She said recent research found that older adults who took these things continuously for years performed worse on tests that measured short-term memory, verbal reasoning, planning, as well as problem-solving. See, that's a very bad thing there, folks. Problem-solving? Uh... Hey, look around. Uh, we got a lot of problems, folks. And, you know, uh, if people lose the ability to problem solve, as it appears a vast majority of Americans have, we're going to be in even worse trouble than we are now. 
Now, here we go here. Here's the headline. The shocking endgame plan. The chemical castration of the American male and the estrogenic disaster facing the United States. The real reason for ongoing rape of European women. One only has to look at reports coming out of Europe to understand the scope of the literal rape of Europe as imported Muslim aliens described by German authorities as Southerners, men with dark skin or Southern skin color, are sexually assaulting women and girls as young as seven years old. In Sweden, they now have the distinction of having the worst rates of physical and sexual violence committed against women and, and girls in Europe. And to avoid public backlash against their immigration policies, authorities are blaming the victims, the majority of which are under 15 years old. It was just reported that Sweden now has 12,000 more men than women, and the gap is growing with each generation. Police also admitted the majority of attacks have taken place in public places and have been committed by aliens. But it seems refugees might not be able to... listen. They might not be able to handle the alcohol and simply feel horny and have ignorance of the consequences for the girls. I can solve their ignorance with a lead projectile right through their forehead. Or maybe, hey, let's play it their way. Let's get a nice big knife and just slit their head right off their neck. Huh? How about that? Why don't we do that? Stick it on a post and say, hey, you know what? Here's what happens. The report, The Current Situation of Sexual Molestation and Proposals for Action, says control is exercised over women through violence, thus shaping her according to the man's idealized vision of femininity. The, the migrant rape epidemic has now reached Austria as the Gatestone Institute compiles a shocking list of brutal sexual assaults, uh, assaults sweeping across that nation. There's a map. It's, uh... <laughs> It's not good. It should be no surprise as Muslim leaders have openly stated that their goal is to conquer other countries by breeding their women and daughters with one you will see below speaking at the Al-Ask Mosque in 2015 where he stated they have lost their fertility so they look for fertility in our midst. We will give them fertility. We will breed children with them because we shall conquer their countries. He continues to say, whether you like it or not, oh Germans, oh Americans, oh French, oh Italians, and all those like you, we shall soon collect them in the name of the looming caliphate. Those words are being taken to heart by aliens in Germany. As you will see below, where a Muslim is openly threatening a German man on the streets, yelling at him that we will conquer you with births. We will marry your daughters. Well, as his head was bouncing down the sidewalk, decapitated from his shoulders, I would be saying, you're not going to be. And it's not that they have an intolerance for alcohol, as Swedish authorities claim, nor that they do not understand the consequences for the girls being sexually assaulted. In fact, they understand exactly what they are doing and why. Well, this is going to have to wait until I come back this tonight, but where I'm going to start is wiping out America as we feminize and chemically castrate the American male.
Hmm. I think I was mentioning that at the very beginning of the show. It's always nice to come full circle in an hour. But anyway, I got to go. I'll be back again this evening. That's where we'll pick it up. Coming up next is financial survival, and after that we have an absolutely jam-packed day, so don't go anywhere, and as always, thanks for listening. My new never don't like my big red barn A 47 Ford bullet holes in the door Broke down motor in the front yard <laughs> I gotta have a mind to paint a plan American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188 That's 800-375-4188 Protect yourself and your family. Gentlemen, I'm Melody Cedarstrom, and you're listening to Financial Survival. My co-host, Alfred Adesk, will be here for the second and third segment of the program today, joined by James Corbett of the Corbett Report. But first, let's get to the markets uh, for a Thursday, June 2nd, 2016. It was a little bit of a quiet day in the, in the gold market today. Also here in uh, Discount Gold and Silver graduations are taking place. Um, I went to a high school graduation last night. My cousin's son graduated, and, um, you know, uh, a lot different from when I graduated. Uh, the, uh, the, um, so it was, uh, it was an interesting, and 
I didn't realize that some of these schools, and it kind of makes you wonder, it's impressive. They're out of the, there was over 300 12th graders, and I don't mean to go on about this. I want to get to the metals market, but, you know, 87% of the graduates last night are going to college, whether it be a four-year or a two-year uh, um, uh, uh, school. Um, but 87%, I was impressed with that, you know, with a 13% just going into the uh, uh, work market. So I was impressed by that. And the millions of dollars that these kids received, um, I, I was I was very impressed. I mean, you're probably talking about $20 million that these kids got in uh, um, scholarships, you know, you know, I'm sure for you know, a lot of them included the four years and so forth in a graduating class of, you know, 300 and some. I was impressed. And, and they want to go to school for free? They want to... <laughs> You know, they want to vote for Bernie so they get free college education. Uh, I, I I, had no, you know, anyway, it's just another sign of the times and party to the illusion. But uh, it was a very nice commencement, and uh, uh, we are we are all proud. Uh, he is going to be going to Penn State uh, for his fourth uh, year and a major in music. Anyway, goal today. As I said, it was a quiet day in the metals market uh, uh, you know, hey, everybody comes to a stop right before uh, the, you know, what they consider to be the most important piece of data for the for the month, and of course that will be released tomorrow, and that is the non, uh, the May non-farm payrolls. Uh, that forecast is to come in at 160, so we'll see some action tomorrow. <clears throat> you know, if it's lower, you know, you'll see gold rise. If it's higher, you'll see gold go down. So, you know, it's. Uh, a sort of a uh, what we come to expect the first week of each month. So gold down 240 today at 1210. Again, early market early market trading. It was higher up to 1217, 111130. European markets close and they're able to come in and drop the price. Silver was up four cents, 1607. Platinum was down 13 at 961. Palladium was also down 13 at 537. USDX today up 0.15 at 95.53. Crude oil basically unchanged from yesterday, 48.98. We'll talk a little bit about the OPEC in Vienna. Uh, what they did um, or didn't do. Uh, the markets, the Dow, 48.89 to the upside at 17,838. You have the NASDAQ up 19 points, 4,971. And the S&P was up 5, 2105 to get over that uh, 2100 level. 10-year yield down 0.04 at 1.81%. Um, the euro was down bigger than what the dollar was up, uh, 112 down 0.29. Japan, again, another heavy hit there, uh, almost 2.5% to the downside. Um, we talked about the, uh, ADP, uh, the the U.S. ADP, that's the National Employment Report that was released today, uh, came in at 173,000, kind of in line of what was the expectations, and uh, Again, didn't have any much impact on the markets. Again, everyone is waiting for the forecast tomorrow. The European Central Bank monetary policy meeting today, they concluded. 
Uh, there was going to be no change in interest rates, no surprise there. The ECB uh, again warned in recent weeks that it could make further monetary policy stimulus moves uh, to continue to uh, try to revive the Eurozone economy. Very much the same Bernanke language. Um, you know, we're here, we'll be accommodative. If the markets need us, we'll be there. If the financial markets need it, need us, we'll be there. The European economies, uh, you know, they, they didn't need to lower rates, uh, but uh, there will be a different type of a stimulus program coming from the Eurozone. Um, the ECB, they are ready to stand to buy bonds at a negative yield. Beginning on June 8th, the banks will start buying corporate bonds, um, selecting notes with an investment grade from at least one ratings provider. Um, they hope to accomplish to give a boost to the market. The ECB can buy bonds with a negative yield. So even corporate bonds are going with negative yields. It's not new, but when you have a central bank buying bonds from a corporation, from a corporate bond, yeah, it's, uh, I don't know, it's just another sign of the time. It's that leaf in the breeze. It's a two-by-four floating through the air, ready to hit you in the head, saying, hey, this isn't normal. This is insanity. It doesn't make sense. It's not logical. And, of course, uh, you know, we know the global monetary system, all their stimulus is not working. Nothing is going to change the dramatic and abrupt purging of this system that we're going to experience very soon. We don't know when. Election years are, you know, they try to stabilize election year, but this is not the typical election year. So, hey, anything's off the table at this point in time. But, uh, you know, we, we talk about quantitative easing. You know, some believe our government uh, doesn't have the financial ability to provide another stimulus to the economy. I mean, the main theory behind quantitative easing, among other things, was to get and to keep interest rates low. That was accomplished. We have low rates. So even though officially quantitative easing has ended, we still have historically low rates. So in some respect, quantitative easing is still here and um, is still providing or trying to provide a stimulus to our economy. Um, OPEC, the Organization of Petroleum Exporting Countries today, they broke off their meeting in Vienna without reaching any new agreements on oil production. Uh, they're going to continue a hands-off policy. Um, and members are gradually... Uh, say is gradually bringing supply and demand back into balance and boosting prices. So there really is no big surprise here. You know, the cartel, they control about a third of the world's oil. Um, they rejected the idea of a production output limit. Um, as we've seen, you know, for 18 months, they've just kept on pumping. And, of course, it resulted in a glut. Um but we have seen oil prices rise about 80% over the past few months from 13-year lows when it hit, uh, you know, below closer to around that $25 level. Um, Qatar, Mohammed Al-Sada, the energy minister, he says the worst is over for oil. 
So they think they like this uh, $50 in oil uh, per barrel. And uh, so there wasn't much pressure on OPEC uh, to think about influencing supply and demand. So they think the worst is over. Well, you know, there's still some things out there that could cause the oil prices to fall once again. What was the real reason that the price, the rise of oil uh, that we've seen experienced in the past couple of months? What's the real reason behind it? Um, perhaps a rising demand in U.S., India, maybe some other major consumers was the main reason uh, that OPEX uh, had a little bit of optimism. Um, maybe they pointed a finger to the falling production in the U.S. Maybe that's made them happy, uh, where the output from shale formations have fallen under the weight of these collapsed prices. But, you know, at the same time that these prices were rising, remember that big fire up there in Canada? Well, they, they had to a cap a lot of their production. Yeah, a lot of their production was north of the fires, but a lot of it was taken off the market uh, at the same time that these prices were rising significantly. So once that oil comes back onto the market again and they start flowing regularly, um, you know, maybe we'll begin to see more pressure on that oil price. Also, Nigeria. Um, Oil workers, I mean, they're always threatening a strike, but they were threatening a strike at the same time that the Canadians had had to uh, uh, cap a lot of their oil production. So you had two things going on at the same time that oil prices were rising to 50. So is it really stronger demand from the U.S. and India and other major consumers that made the price of oil rise, or was it just, you know, maybe a little... Concern from Canada, Nigeria, um, that uh, had a bigger influence on the price of oil. We'll see. We'll see soon. Um, uh, the, the, the fire up in Canada. I'm sure they'll begin flowing the the oil again, and uh, we'll see if oil stays at this uh, high forty dollar level. But uh, you know, Saudis are in bad trouble. They've provided free health care, gasoline subsidies. Um, they pay raises to its citizens with the petroleum wealth. Uh, so they're facing uh, a fiscal crisis. Um, they have burned through $111 billion of reserves uh, to plug its biggest budget deficit in a quarter century. You know, um, they're beginning to sell off a part of their state oil company. I mean, that was their crown jewel. That was part of what gave the people their little subsidies and their health care and their gasoline pricing or gasoline money. So again, not a good sign that they're you know, healthy. Um, the fifty dollar in oil is is going to make their life better. Um, I had wanted to report on this yesterday. The U.S. Virgin Islands—they're facing a fiscal stress uh, similar to Puerto Rico. Yeah, it's like, oh, big deal, U.S. Virgin Islands. Well, remember, we also mentioned earlier in the week, that doesn't have to be, to be a big catastrophic event. It could be that little thing that comes that just surprises everything. And maybe in addition to something else, like Puerto Rico, um, I got two things real quick. Um, so the Virgin Islands, they're pretty much coming out and saying, yeah, well, you know what? Maybe we don't have to pay all of that debt back to you. Um, 
you know, they're, they're having, they're very similar to Puerto Rico. They have a sliver of the population, but per person, the obligations per person is 23,000. Now, there's a lot of poor people. 23,000 is, you know, you may as well be telling them that they're going to owe, their obligation is $100,000. They have shared cultures, uh, you know, with uh, Puerto Rico, and they have similar fiscal strains, declining populations, underfunded pensions, histories of borrowing to cover budget shortfalls, unemployment rates are twice as high as the U.S. is. So it's the same template that we see through country, through country, all around the world. Over a period of years, you keep issuing debt to cover your operating deficits. Economies are not growing. Populations are strained, but the liabilities, they keep on growing, and eventually it reaches an unsustainable level. Someone will have to pay. A lot of folks won't get pay when these countries begin to default on the the, the debt that they owe, and then the other taxpayers, your your taxes, will be paying for the rest of it. So you get a double whammy. (laughs) So if you don't protect what you have, you'll get the double whammy. What was interesting in relation to Puerto Rico, and perhaps I should have saved this for Al Tamora since he's a legalese in in everything, but uh, there was an annual audit that suggests that debt-laden Puerto Rico may be able to avoid some of its borrowing because politicians exceeded constitutional debt limits and their own authority. This report from MarketWatch states that some of Puerto Rico's debt may have been issued illegally, allowing the government to potentially declare the bonds invalid and courts to then decide that creditors' claims are unenforceable. When was the last time we heard anything about our debt ceiling here in the States? Has it been a year? Has it been two years? This report, this audit report, was issued by the island's Public Credit Comprehensive Audit Commission. And uh, so basically what they're telling you is, hey, we went beyond, we don't owe it, we're not going to pay it. And guess who's mainly involved in this issue? It covers two most recent full faith and credit debt issues of the Commonwealth, Puerto Rico, and it goes on and tells you the year and the amount. For the years 2014-2015, it's a syndicate of banks, and guess who it's led by? No surprise here, J.P. Morgan. So money for those debt payments is not in the Commonwealth's proposed budget. So they just released their budget and they don't even have those debt payments in there. It's telling you they're not going to pay it. The governor of Puerto Rico says this it's simple. Either we pay Wall Street or we pay Puerto Ricans. If the legislature decides we pay Wall Street more, well, each has his responsibility. He is going to continue defending defending the Puerto Ricans. Money I send to Wall Street. I do not have to provide services here. So 
Um, it's interesting because this is, uh, and they also reference Detroit and what the Supreme Court um, in litigation. And when Detroit went to court to invalidate $1.45 billion in certificates of participation, debt issued by two shell companies, um, this, this, is, this debt was issued illegally. So at the very least, these creditors' claim of, claims of priority are dramatically weakened. So precedence has been set. So it's really interesting interesting to see how um, these debts will be defaulted on. They're just not going to pay. So again, folks, when this happens here in the States, where are you going to be? Are you going to be protected by your gold and silver? Or are you going to be protected by the paper promises uh, through Wall Street and your financial planner? Give us a call at 1-800-375-4188. I'm out of here. Alfred will be here right after these few short breaks. provided strength. Indeed, the chemical compounds of thyme contain antioxidants, an effective germicide that kills whooping cough bacteria and makes breathing easier. Just imagine what you can do with thyme herb when it comes to respiratory ailments like croup, pneumonia, asthma, and sinusitis. The extra benefit of thyme herb is that it soothes the nerves and stops spasmodic coughing, so you can get some rest. Who says you don't have time to take care of yourself? Call Apothecary Herbs toll-free for time, tincture, and tea to soothe your cough and get some rest. 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International 704-875-8010. Or online at thepowerherbs.com. Since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it. Nations have fought for it. It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now. American Voice. 
Space Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. I'm Alfred Addis. This is Financial Survival brought to you by Discount Gold and Silver at 1-800-375-4188. And my guest is James Corbett. Uh, he's been working in Japan and living in Japan since 2004. He started the CorbettReport.com in 2007 as an outlet for independent critical analysis of politics, society, history, and economics. He's also an editorial writer for the International Forecaster a weekly e-newsletter created by the uh, now-deceased economic analyst Bob Chapman. Hello, James. How are you doing? I'm doing excellent. How are you doing today? I'm fine. How's your family treating? Uh, yeah, they're fine. And you'll mm-hmm. probably hear my little girl crying at some point during the conversation, okay. but hey, that's life. Is she invested in the Japanese stock market or anything like that? <laughs> uh, no, but I guess uh, I guess being born here, she has her share of the 250-plus percent uh, debt-to-GDP ratio that the country's mired in at the moment. You shouldn't, shh, shh, you shouldn't say that while she can hear. Um, <laughs> that might make her cry harder, I guess. Yeah, it might get her started. Uh, I've got a, an idea running through my mind that might not be mildly, that might be mildly interesting. Political instability is a, is a function of debt. Political instability is, first premise, political instability is growing around the world. Second premise is sovereign debt is growing around the world. Is it possible that political instability is directly proportional to sovereign, that is to say, governmental debt? Uh, does a great debt like the national debt in the United States, does it necessarily lead to political instability or these are politics and debt two separate things that don't necessarily have to move in lockstep? Not necessarily. I would say there is often some overlap there, but not necessarily so. So, for example, I mean, things that would support your thesis, we've seen the dissolution of Greek society over the last few years and the rioting and all of that that's taking place directly as a, a demonstrable and easily identifiable function of the debt that the country's in and the negotiations with the Troika and all of that nonsense. So I think that's quite a obvious case of what you're talking about. And there are other examples that we could point to that are going on now with the meltdown of Venezuela and things like that, which have to do with the, the government and it basically it's, it's shortfalls because of the oil glut, which create, puts it in a position of deficit that it can't um, dig itself out of. But those are economies that are tied in various ways to other currencies or other, at least other entities like Greece is tied to the ECB and what it does with the euro or Venezuela uh, economy is uh, is tied to the U.S. dollar um, through which it, 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 it generates its oil revenue and then has to convert into local currency. So 
those are specific examples, and I think that's obvious to see. But the U.S. is different. The U.S., I think, is a different political animal because the debt crisis in the U.S., the debt, the debt burden, is uh, ridiculous. It's unsustainable. It's 19 plus trillion dollars um, and growing. But the U.S. is the world. The U.S. dollar is the world reserve currency, and the Federal Reserve can and does print as much of it as it wants at any time that it wants, or more accurately, it makes it out of nothing and then buys treasuries with it to fund the U.S. debt. So there is a crisis in the political sense right now that the politicians argue over the debt ceiling and things like that, and they do shutdowns every few years to stage a, a dramatic thing. But that, generally speaking, other than a couple of days of Washington shutdown, which most people in America, I imagine, don't notice or are actually thankful for, <laughs> does cheer. not create a celebration. <laughs> yeah. like, it doesn't like create the same situation. Weekend. Right. I mean, it doesn't create the same situation as in Greece, where people aren't getting their their pension payments and whatever, and it's causing riots. I think I think it's a very different. I mean, obviously, there's political instability in the U.S., but I don't think it's a direct function of the debt. I think that's for other reasons entirely. So I don't think it's necessarily tied, but there is obviously a relation in some economies, especially economies that are marginal economies that depend on other economies for their their main uh, ability to trade and function with the world. You you referred to the national debt as nineteen trillion dollars. Do you believe that's the official national debt? That's what they tell us they have. John Williams of ShadowStats.com is estimated it's running closer to $100 trillion. There's been a Congressional Budget Office report and economist Lawrence Kottlemeyer. They estimate it's over $200 trillion. Do you really believe, I mean, I get that $19 trillion is the official debt. Do you accept that as real or do you think it's 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 minimized? They're not telling us the truth. Right. Well, like so many other things, it comes down to the definition. So if we're talking about unfunded liabilities, things that the government has promised they will pay and have, do not have the money for, then yes, you can go into the hundreds of trillions probably quite easily. But if we're talking about the technical definition of debt that the U.S. government and the governments around the world are using, again, it depends on what definition you're using. Um, I, I think it's probably easiest to understand that if we use the same definition across the board for all the different governments so that we can at least make comparisons because any definition that you come up with is going to be arbitrary to a certain extent i mean can you say that debt that the government has promised it will be in debt for you know 20 years from now is part of the current debt load well yes you can make an argument for that you can make an argument the other way of course the government wants the number to be as low as possible so i would say 19 trillion is the smallest possible number you could come up with, um, depending how you define that word. You also, if I understood you correctly, you believe that the Federal Reserve can print its way out of the debt problem by simply printing enough paper currency to cover the $19 trillion. Is that, am I understanding you correctly? Uh, uh, 19, 119, um, one quadrillion. They, there's, no, there's no theoretical limit to what they can print. The only limit is to what the world can absorb and will accept. And when that's, that's, that's where I focus on this. I look at this from the perspective of Zimbabwe. They could print all the, they could print all the Zimbabwean dollars they wanted. They were printing quadrillion-dollar notes before they, fin before they were finished. But what they can't print is public confidence in those pieces of paper. And I think that's where the Federal Reserve is. I think they're caught in a similar restriction. They, can, they can't just go, oh, we'll just print another $19 trillion. Go ahead, knock it out. Let's fire up the presses. We'll print up $19 trillion and we'll pay off the debt. 
I don't think they can do that without losing public confidence in the dollar. And they tell us that's what holds the dollar together is public confidence. Yes. Yes. I mean, you're right. It is a game of perception. And the fundamental perception question is, will there be anyone at the table to buy U.S. treasuries? And so far, there are. There are still people that buy treasuries. In fact, China has effectively unloaded $780 billion of its U.S. Treasury holdings over the past two years, and that has provided that has made absolutely no dent whatsoever in the Treasury market. There is still a lack of liquidity and or, uh, not enough Treasuries to go around. People are still clamoring to buy Treasuries. So make of it what you will, but they well, clearly it's, it's are weird, winning the perception. It's a mystery, more. that's for sure. It's, uh, there's a lot of room for making of making it what you will, and a lot of different opinions on what's happening here. It's certainly a mystery, but uh, it's not clear. It's not clear what's happening, and that that creates a lot of opportunity to speculate, which I enjoy. So I enjoy speculation. And you're not bound by the facts, the information. You get out there and just theorize. There's another one of my notions. Uh, inflation destroys the fiat dollar. You know, right? And we see evidence of that destruction in the fact that since the dollar became a pure fiat currency back in 1971, the fiat dollar has lost over 95% of its purchasing power. That's due to inflation. A dollar right now is worth less than it has the purchasing power of a nickel back in 1971. Inevitably, it will lose 96% and then 98%, finally 100% of its purchasing power. When the dollar's purchasing power is reduced by 100% or very nearly so, the fiat dollar will be dead. My point, inflation destroys the fiat dollar. What is the fiat dollar? It's the number one product produced by the Federal Reserve System. Deflation, on the other hand, destroys debtors because it forces them to repay their bills in more valuable dollars. And the net effect, you borrow $100,000, and in theory, you might have to pay back, even though it will be $100,000, you pay back the equivalent of $110,000 in purchasing power if there were 10% deflation. Now, deflation is good for debtors. And our government is certainly one of, if not the biggest debtor in the world. Our government should hate deflation. But deflation yes. should I think be, you I said mean, that wrong, but yes, you're right. Deflation uh, is I think bad I did for too. debtors. Right. Deflation is destroys debtors, but deflation, in theory, should be good for the Federal Reserve System. It makes their dollars more valuable and likely to last longer. Inflation will take them down to zero and destroy them. Deflation will raise them from a nickel to a dime, maybe even a quarter someday, in terms of purchasing power. That helps to sustain. So where I'm going with this, it appears to me that the Federal Reserve has a vested interest in promoting deflation, makes their product more valuable. And the federal government has a vested interest in promoting inflation, which reduces their debt. Does this mean... That at bottom, there's an adversarial relationship between the Federal Reserve and the U.S. government. 
They're no longer, not yeah. necessarily right. accomplices in the same conspiracy, but they're working right. kind of together, but maybe they've hit the end of the line on this. Are these adversaries, or are they co-conspirators? I see what you're saying. But actually, I think they are working together conspiratorially. I think mm-hmm. they are kind of different arms of the same organ, or different organs of the same way. You know what I'm saying. Oh, anyway. I do, and it, it, it appears to me that the Federal Reserve... We talk about it being an independent entity, but the right. truth is it's being sacrificed by inflation, inflation, inflation. Well, that, that's an interesting perspective, but it relies on the idea that money is a com- – that U.S. Federal Reserve notes is a commodity that is inherently scarce and – or is at least theoretically um, uh, limited to some degree. But it isn't. Um, th- as we've seen over the past – uh, eight years now? It's eight years. Can you believe it? Since Lehman collapse, the Federal Reserve has expanded its uh, balance sheet by, what, $3 trillion? Three and a half, I, I think. Again, they just create that, and there's nothing stopping them from creating another three or 30 or 300. Again, it's the perception problem. So the Federal Reserve notes are not a commodity in that sense. They are not uh, scarce. They are not limitable. So they aren't, they aren't uh, the, the Federal Reserve doesn't care about the value of the dollar in that sense. It's not like it's trying to purchase things with its dollars and trying to maintain that. Theoretically, what the system is supposed to do is have a nice, small, steady growth inflation, uh, uh, growth in the, the, the money supply to accommodate a steadily growing um, society. That's the idea, and that's what they're trying to maintain. And that is supposed to be so that everyone in the economy can function. They can use their dollars, and they can expect to be able to you know, purchase things with the dollars that they're earning. But there's a, that inflation incentive for them to get investing in the stock market and things like that. So it, you know, that's, the, that's the theory of all of this. The, the Federal Reserve doesn't really care about its Federal Reserve notes because, again, it prints them out of nothing at any time it wants in whatever amount it wants. Well, I get that, but still, if the dollar, as inflation persists, and we go from its having lost 95% to 96% and then 97%, 98%, it, it, it points to the end, the demise of the dollar, and not so far from now. It's lost 95% uh, since 1971. Well, I, about I think the, the perspective... 45 to... years or there's a, thereabouts uh, lost at that rate. Well, we're going to lose another 2%. We don't have many mere years left. And what does the Federal Reserve do if the dollar becomes worthless? Right. Well, firstly, I believe that 95% of purchasing power drop uh, is 1913, not 1971. I've, I've mm. generally if heard you it. Cal- if you calculate in terms of gold... Oh, okay. You, you right. can make the you can make the case so, since nineteen seventy one, nineteen thirteen. Everybody looks at that, but but for me, uh, uh, right. But whatever it is, Looking we are still ninety five percent. However, okay. w- if we're if it's lost over ninety five percent, we could. This is a trend. I think. Okay, so I think the way to look at this is from the macro perspective of what the Federal Reserve is, which is the the state sanctioned, the government approved, sanctioned. It's got the seal of the the authority of government, but it's really what it is at base is an oligopoly of the main central bank, the main banks, the main private commercial banks. They are the ones that run it. They are the ones that comprise the membership of the Federal Reserve System. It is just basically the banks banding together to set the the interest rate and and basically overseeing the economy. Which sounded like a great idea in 1913 for some reason. So that's what they are. It may have been a great idea. It may have even been a great well, idea. Well, yeah, I mean, again, if it was when the run by angels. Was back in the by right gold and silver. 
Right. Well, okay. So, but the point of this is that, so the banks are looking out for their own interests. The, the mechanism that they have to make not just money, but actual wealth is to expand credit, make a big credit bubble, get everybody involved in it, get everyone investing and, and buying, buying houses or whatever, and then to collapse the bubble and shear the sheep and take the real assets that underlie that made up wealth, take that from them. And that's the game, shearing the sheep every, you know, making the bubble, making everybody happy, contracting the bubble. And that's been going on for a very long time, as people know. And that is how the bankers make the money. So I think that what the Federal Reserve System, if it has an intent like that, it really is to make sure that that bubble machine keeps going. The bubble goes and then it pops and it goes and it pops and it goes and it pops. And it keeps people well enough that they're not going to riot with pitchforks storming on D.C., but it also keeps the bankers very happy because they get to shear the sheep in regular intervals. <laughs> then you're anticipating a shearing is, is approaching. The moment of shearing is approaching. Do you have any idea how soon we might get there? Well, I again, I can't really make those types of predictions, but I think I, we might be getting to the point where they might not have control over the ability to decide whether it will happen today or tomorrow kind of thing. I, I think we might be getting to the point where the system becomes unbalanced in a way that the bubble has to be expanded um, to a crazy extent, or if they lose control of that lever, it will collapse. So I don't think it's a 100% complete control mechanism that they have, a lever that they can just pull. And I, I think it's getting further and further out of their control. Let's talk more about whether what the, what the nature of that imbalance might be when we return. We're going to take a break for a couple of commercials. I'm Alfred Addis here with James Corbett from thecorbettreport.com, C-O-R-B-E-T-T.com. We'll be right back. Please stay tuned to Financial Survival. mistake. Aspirin was discovered by mistake during World War II and suppresses your immune system and prevents blood clotting. Don't expose your body to risk when you can use a natural inflammation and pain reliever called Extra Strength Pain Relief by Apothecary Herbs. Discover the power this formula has with Salicin to enter the system in 60 seconds to work hard and relieve pain for 12 hours. Whether it's arthritis, sports injury, or flu, you can relieve aches, pain, and swelling with our Extra Strength Pain Relief Formula. Call Apothecary Herbs now, toll-free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3 wsthepowerherbscom Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its 
its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. I'm here with James Corbett from thecorbettreport.com. We're talking about the Federal Reserve and how this monetary system operates. And we've been talking about inflation and how it is intended to stimulate the economy, and that might be a good thing. And But we also talk about the possibility that the Federal Reserve and the powers that be are no longer really in control. Maybe there's an imbalance taking place that has exceeded their ability to correct or manage. We're going to start to wonder now, what is the nature of that imbalance? And let me suggest one possible explanation. See if you agree or not. If we're inflating the currency, and that's what they want to do, it's certainly been their policy for years and years, and that's how the dollar is devalued from 100 cents to a dollar to a nickel on a dollar in terms of purchasing power. Inflation is what they apparently want. That Inflation helps borrowers and consumers to buy, to borrow more money and spend it, to buy more things to allegedly stimulate the economy. But it it allows them to repay their debt with cheaper dollars. But it also robs creditors. Are creditors the adults, the big boys in this situation who can afford 2% or 3% robbery every year? And they're still smart enough to continue to profit, or are they jeopardized by inflation? And perhaps, and what happens if we lose them? Is that the imbalance that you were at least hinting at uh, when we closed the first part of the program? Well, that wasn't quite the way I was thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that the banks are not uh, in that type of danger at this moment. That they're that that would be the reason they would shut down the spigot of credit. Um, and they have shut down the spigot of credit. But as we've talked about, I think, before on this program, one of the reasons for that is because the Fed has started paying them to park their reserves at the Fed. So if they get paid effectively to park their reserves, they're going to be less willing to lend those reserves out for uh, you know, doubtful uh, returns. So that has created a sort of you know, glut in the market in terms of uh, the, the declining velocity of money. Um, but the, but the, the way that so I was saying it is, that something's going on right now, that even though they claim to be stimulating the economy by essentially withdrawing that money from the economy and keeping it in the, at the overnight uh, holding facility of the Federal Reserve or wherever, that they are, they're not stimulating the economy. Not it's directly. Not, yeah. Mm-hmm. And again, I think that's part of the, 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 the problem in terms of what they put forward, the language and the rhetoric that we use to describe what the Federal Reserve is doing um, versus what they actually are capable of doing. And as, as we talked about back when the uh, Fed raised their target interest rate um, back in December, again, people imagine that they have some lever. They just decide, OK, now the interest rate is this. 
Well, no, they have a target rate. And how do they target that? Well, they have different mechanisms that they can use to try to encourage banks to lend at a certain rate, and they measure whether or not that's actually working. Um, but th those tools that they have are quite blunt instruments, and there's only so much that they can do with them. And I think one of the ways that we can see that is that one of the main ways that we look at what is happening in terms of uh, people's investment patterns is we look at, say, the stock market ind indices and compare them to treasury rates. And as treasury rates decline, people are that means people are more and more investing in bonds and uh, as, as a type of investment. They think that's that's a good idea. So rates decline. Um, rates will rise, uh, which would get people investing out of out of bonds and into the stock market where they can see bigger returns. Um, now, that is an interesting mechanism, but it has a limit. Uh, well, <laughs> theoretically, it used to have a limit, uh, i.e. 0%. You can't go below a 0% interest rate. Well, actually, now they're starting to try to do that. But that, I think that's new math. This is, new math. This yeah, is just new a math. result of new math. Exactly. Now you'll pay us to uh, to invest in the, these these instruments. Um, but I think that shows the fact that that tool is becoming useless. Um, yeah. it, it doesn't have the effect that it used to. And when you look at the, they the even have market, a contrary effect from this perspective. You know, historically, when they tinkered with the interest rate in this country, particularly when we had a gold or silver based currency. There was no place for the dollar. If, you, if you're a creditor and you had money that you were willing to lend and they reduced an interest rate and you said, damn those people, still you had two choices. You could let your gold and silver sit there and gain nothing, or you could lend it and gain something, even though if it wasn't what you thought was fair. That was because we were surrounded by two oceans, and it was not easy for your for the people who had credit to move their wealth to foreign countries that paid higher interest rates. But today, that's not the case. We have a digital currency that can circle the globe at the speed of light. And if they roll, if they push interest rates down to zero or below, what's to keep the creditors from just saying, from just saying well, the heck with that. I'll go lend my money into South Africa, to Brazil or someplace in the right. third world. Yeah. And make, yeah. the money is no longer trapped the way that it was a take-it-or-leave-it situation for creditors right. once upon a time. That's no longer the case. If the creditor says, this interest rate, this is stupid. I'm not lending my money out for just a couple of percent. I've got to get a right. decent return. Then and we lose exactly the money right, supply. Yeah. The money yeah. supply is reduced every time they think we're, we're stimulating the economy by reducing the interest rate. <laughs> they're actually cutting the money supply, driving currency out of the country, which should slow the economy. Do you is that some? Do you understand it? Do you agree or disagree? Oh yes, and and that's I mean that's a, a spot on analysis, and that's exactly what's happened over the last several years. Is that a lot of this money that's been generated has actually gone overseas in mm -hmm. you know, looking for some type of actual return because you're not getting returns in the uh, in the bond or treasuries at, at this point. They're down to historic lows, so there there have been more investors going offshore into developing emerging markets where you can get 10 or 15 percent or at least the yeah. promise of that. And that's exactly where a lot of the money has gone. And that's exactly why when the Fed started talking about ending QE and then started talking about raising their target rate and then actually raised their target rate, all of those events had a significant effect on the unwinding of that process. A lot of that money coming back from overseas, coming back into the U.S. 
So uh, I, I, does this explain what's happened to the economy in Brazil, for example, our third world economies? Were they stimulated over the cap course of the last five or eight years by the influx of dollars looking for higher interest rates? And have they been damaged and destimulated by the dollars saying, oops, we're going home now? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things going on in Brazil. That's one of them. Um, but yes, I mean, I, I think globally speaking, we can see that in a number of different markets. And we've seen, for example, people might remember, remember the Indian rupee crisis from a couple of years ago, which again was talked, which was, which was very much uh, precipitated by the Fed and their lowering of QE and their eventual stopping and unwinding of that program absolutely had a direct effect on what was going on in India at that time, for example. So, I mean, uh, these effects are real, they're measurable, and they're understood by people in the emerging markets who get this flood, this slosh of money coming in and then going out, and it's like a a wave. And, uh, of course, it generally doesn't. It might benefit some people for a short period of time, but in the end, it's really only the people who are moving the money who really benefit from it. We talked a little earlier about the banker's idea is to create these bubbles and then pop them and shear the sheep. We look at it from the perspective of, oh, my gosh, the bankers are going to shear we the sheep here in the United States. But have they already started shearing? Have they already implemented this program by moving currency Reduced interest rates, they knew it would drive currency to foreign countries, it would stimulate the foreign countries, they'd pull the plug, and then they were the bankers intent on shearing Brazil? Did what happened to Brazil, is this just an unintended consequence, or was it something they planned from the beginning? Said, well, we'll just reduce interest rates over here in the United States, the money will flow out to third world nations, we'll let it go for a while, we'll bring the money back in, and when we do collapse them and buy their property for a dime on the dollar. Uh, is that part of the shearing process, or just an, uh, an unintended consequence? Well, I mean, I think we shouldn't um, simplify it too much. It's not like there is a single bank with a single mind mm-hmm. making these decisions. It's a lot of different competing banks that have similar interests, but don't always you know, agree. So, for example, you can look specifically at the way Goldman Sachs cooked the books for Greece to get them into the eurozone in the first place, which was a fraud, a massive fraud. That was really designed just to earn some extra money for Goldman Sachs. I don't think they were necessarily thinking about the long-term economic and political ramifications for Greece and the euro in particular. But it is one of the the consequences of that and probably a foreseeable one. But I'm not sure that was the motivation for what they were doing there. Um, So uh, with Brazil and other things, you know, other places like that, I think it's probably similar. The one way that I would look at this on the macro level is to say that, well, if it is perfectly understood and predictable that this money is going to slosh around into emerging markets and come out, and that kind of tidal wave is going to destabilize a lot of places uh, internationally, and it will make it hit home even further how international the financial system is at this moment in time, that does serve the interests of people who want to create, deepen, and enhance the international framework for dealing with financial and monetary matters. So, for example, of course, in the wake of Lehman, we saw the G20 in London in April 2009, and they were all talking about, oh, we need a new world order and all of this, and they created or at least expanded the Financial Stability Board, and which is creating all these rules about bank bail-ins and everything behind the scenes that no one's ever heard of because 
what's the FSB? I don't know. It's some kind of subset of the BIS. What's the BIS? Uh, who cares? Uh, it just gets lost in the bureaucratic framework. But it is the necessary justification for the creation of that international architecture. So if there is a grand design behind this, I think it would be more along those lines. I don't know if it's targeting specific countries, and maybe it is, but I think the bigger scheme of this, the bigger picture, is the destabilization itself is used as the lever through which these uh, these organizations can can uh, pivot and make bigger and bigger um, bigger organizations that, of course, they, again, control. The BIS, the Bank for International Settlements, it's just the Federal Reserve writ large, writ globally, and it is controlling so much of the, the, the type of banking regulations that are coming in internationally now. We have about three minutes left, and maybe four. Uh, I'm curious about Israel. For most of my lifetime, Israel seems like it was in the news almost every day. That's an exaggeration. That's not true. But still seems like that. Israel, Israel, Israel. For the last six months, we haven't heard much about Israel. Um, here is an article from The National, which is a Jewish publication, and it says, Religious zealots waging a quiet revolution in Israel. And they're complaining a man named uh, Benjamin Netanyahu has forced out his long-serving defense minister, Moshe Yalan. As he stepped down, Mr. Yalan said, extremist and dangerous elements have taken over Israel. What is going on in Israel? Is there anything mysterious happening there, or they have just they've just kind of calmed down a little bit? There is a genuine phenomenon taking place, and in fact, I just wrote about this in the forecaster, so people can go to the internationalforecaster.com. And as we speak, it's currently on the homepage. Two hundred former Israeli security officials push Palestinian peace plan, talking about a pretty interesting development. You had this group of two hundred. There were former Israeli military and various security officials from Mossad and Shinbed and Israel police um, that put forward this proposal for ending the impasse with the uh, Palestinians that includes accepting the Arab peace initiative and conceding East Jerusalem to a future Palestinian state and stopping freezing the settlement building. Um, now, this is interesting because it really is kind of a slap in the face not just to Netanyahu, but to the kind of coalition that he's for forming right now, the, the far-right coalition, because as you say, they just ousted Yalon and uh, replaced him with the chairman of the far-right group, Israel uh, Beitenu, who's Avigdor uh, Lieberman. And this is, this is seen as a slap in the face to the military, because you've had some generals and, and, uh, and people in the military going off script, so to speak, in the last couple of months with some interesting uh, statements um, for example, you had the uh, Army Chief of Staff, Lieutenant General Gaddy Eisenkot, um, who was actually saying that the Israel military needs moral standards and shouldn't be emptying magazines into Palestinian girls brandishing scissors. And of course, that became a controversial statement. How can you, how can you humanize a Palestinian? Or you had Major General Yair, uh, Yair Golan make these comments that were seen as comparing modern Israel to 1930s Germany, which obviously, you know, upset a lot of people in Netanyahu, and it became a big political thing. So the military has been more and more at least seen to be a, a sort of push back, pushing back against this far-right turn in Israeli politics. So the politicians are so getting back trying against the military. not to be extremists. If I'm understanding you correctly, you're saying that the military is rejecting an extremist role and they are looking for something like a more humane military. Is that 
Well, that seems to be at least something that's in the air right now. And it makes mm-hmm. sense because if you're in the military and you're commanding these people and you're, you're on the front line fighting these fights for the politicians, maybe you, don't, maybe you see that fight from a very different perspective than someone sitting in a comfortable chair. And, of course, who gets the immediate backlash from these is it's the military. So, of course, the military is looking out for its own interests. But that does make it a, certain, a, a sort of moderating influence. And although it's always had this element to it, I think it's more perceptible the further to the right that the politicians shift. So it's an interesting development. Um, and I've got a few links there in the, the forecaster article for people who are interested in reading more about that. All right, James, thanks very much. I always appreciate having you on the program. Look forward to talking to you again next week. Uh, good luck with your newborn son and your little daughter. daughter. She didn't cry at all during the program. Yeah. Um, yeah. She must be comforted by the sound of your voice. I'm Alfred Addisk, ladies and gentlemen, this is James Corbett, my guest, and we we will be back in a week. And uh, in the meantime, the good Lord bless you, me, Melody Cedarstrom, Frank, the producer, and James Corbett. Good night. I work all night, I work all day to pay the bills I have to pay. Never seems to be a single penny left for me. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. AVR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. I would like to tell you about the only truly natural dog and cat food I have found anywhere. Most all companies add a synthetic vitamin mineral pack to their dry or kibble food. Nature's logic is different. With all natural ingredients and nothing man-made added, their owner, Scott Freeman, worked for another pet food company but decided he wanted to do things right. So he started Nature's Logic. You can check them out at natureslogic.com. You will find online and local stores where you can find their products. I spent a lot of time trying to find an all-natural pet food, and Nature's Logic was the only one out there. 
Give your pets the best and check out naturelogic.com. Your pets will be glad you did. They also have many other natural pet products to try. that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Critical show. Hmm. Okay, that was. I uh, heard a noise there. Let me see what I got going on. Okay. Yeah. Sorry about that. Condition critical show. I said that this is my live show for Thursday, guys. The second day of June, two thousand and sixteen. It's now five minutes past the two o'clock hour, and as you all may or may not know, I'm located out here in the state of Washington, and you're listening right here on the American Voice Radio Network. Get a couple things out of the way. You can go to the AmericanVoiceRadio.com or AmericanVoiceRadio.com, which is the website for this network. And there's a lot of things here you can do. You can get into the chat room and uh, participate in the show. I have a website, ConditionCriticalShow.com. You should visit that as well. I have a blog there. posted several new posts on there since we last spoke, actually. I think you will enjoy them. Check them out. Check out my blog, ConditionCriticalShow.com. Also, two donate links, guys. There's one attached to my blog. If you scroll down on the right-hand side, you will see a donate button. If you wouldn't mind clicking that, as I like to say, anything would help to keep the lights on. More importantly, please go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and donate $5, because I'm sure Frank would appreciate it, and so would I. All right, let's just get on with some things. Uh, I got some things I want to talk about that basically carry over from yesterday that I didn't get to. But, hey, you know, news happens uh, rather rapidly in today's environment. So there's a couple new things that I want to talk about. 
and I'm going to do that first. Uh, first, though, I have to kind of get this out of the way. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, I, I got a pretty radical thought here, and I'm going to just kind of present it to you guys, and, you know, don't, uh, don't be too harsh on me. I mean, don't consider me to be like half of a whack job, okay? So just, just brace yourself, and, because this is a radical thought. And that is, uh, I'm beginning to think, now I know this is radical, but I'm beginning to think that this whole gun control thing, I'm, I, I'm just, I'm beginning to think it, that it's, it's, not, it's not working out. I, I know, I know that's a radical thought, and, and just bear with me, though. Talked about New York City last week. You know, pretty strict gun control measures there. Had a rap concert. Now, I mean, you know, a rap concert. I mean, you got you got some thug, uh, you know, uh, uh, what do you call it, uh, uh, rap groups or whatever, and rival gangs and all that. So, kind of maybe, you know, to be expected that there was go- that there was going to be a gun battle, and there was. But my point is that they have strict gun control measures in New York City, and it's unbelievable that that happened. Talked about Chicago yesterday. I mean, Chicago is like the wild, wild west. I mean, they just can't control people there. It's just out of control, which I don't understand because they have very, very, very strict gun control. And now, lo and behold, we got to move out to California here. Not on the West Coast. And as everybody knows, uh, California is famous or infamous, if you will, as for their gun control measures. And so I'm a little bit perplexed. I'm a little bit confused. I'm a little bit troubled, actually. Uh, there was a shooting, and see, here's the thing, and there wasn't just, you know, a shooting somewhere, like at a jack-in-the-box or at a Kmart or a Walmart. There was actually a shooting on a college campus. So there's two things here. It's another radical thought. So, so I've already established that I don't believe gun control is working out too well. Barbara Boxer and Diane Feinstein and, and, and Jerry Brown and Gavin Newsom, you bunch of morons. Are you do you hear you hearing me? I'm speaking basically directly to you, not just the people of California. I'm speaking to the politicians there. But you people that live there, you need to listen up and you need to get rid of those politicians because they're they're putting your lives in danger. Because not only do they have strict gun control measures, I mean it's kind of twofold. This this happened on a college campus where that is a gun free zone. So how in the heck does this guy get onto campus with a gun? It just doesn't make any sense to me. The only thing I can figure is that, is that gun-free zones don't work, and neither do gun control measures. Okay? And I'm not going to read from the article. I mean, the guy went in, and he had a kill list, and you know he was determined, whatever, had a grudge, did some, whatever, half of a whack job, whatever, and killed a couple of people. And, you know, caused the state of panic, uh, actually. But I do want to read from this article. This is, this is, it, it, it it kind of corresponds, and it's related to the shooting there. This is from USA Today, and the headline is, UCLA students struggled with unlocked doors during shooting. This is the whole shelter-in-place thing. You know, this is the whole go hide, in a, go hide in a closet or go hide under a desk. You know, something really ridiculous. I mean, these are grown, these are adults. These are supposed to be adults. I mean, I know they're in college, and we know what they teach people in college and how they're brainwashing them. But still, there. You know, you would think that you know, being an adult, okay, I know uh, that you would have better sense and maybe uh, find other means to protect yourself. In the minutes after a fatal shooting at a UCLA engineering building, panicked students seeking a safe place to hide used belts, cords, and other items to try and secure doors they said did not lock. Oh my God! With rumors swirling that there could be as many as four shooters. 
Senior Daphne Ying, 21, and others struggled to secure a door that swings out into the hallway of the building. They tied one end of a long cord to the doorknob and the other end to a chair bolted to the floor. Three male students stood near the door to pull it shut in case someone tried to get in. How brave. How brave of them. All of us were really scared and nervous, Ying said. We barely spoke. Engineering student, well, can't pronounce her name. It's some Indian name, like a uh, 7-Eleven Indian. Uh, let's just call her uh, Punjai. Engineering student Punjai, design, uh, you know, let's see. She was in a design class, and let's see here. The class was ending across from the engineering build, building where students got a text alert. So they get text alerts, hey, a gunman on campus, I guess that's what it says, uh, to shelter in place. She and others retreated to the classroom and quickly realized the doors didn't lock. Oops. Doors opened outward with no lock, so we had to improvise our own locking mechanism, the 22-year-old Indian student tweeted. Wow. So they're... So what are they doing? They're updating their social media now uh, while there's a gun battle going on or, or something here? Tweeted? See how ridiculous these platforms are? Whatever. She said one clearly shaken student grabbed his belt and looped it in a figure eight around the door handle and a handrail, then placed a water bottle inside a loop to keep it taut. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. And some people are describing these students as being MacGyverish. Remember that TV show MacGyver? He, you know, he could, like, take a piece of thread and, you know, like a, like a, a used match or something and, you know, construct it into like a sailboat or something or like a bow and arrow. I don't know. MacGyver. I guess that's MacGyverish. Yeah. All right. About two hours later, students learned that the shooting had been a murder suicide. They claimed the lives of two men and was confined to one office. Students posted photos and videos of the makeshift security on social media, sparking questions over safety on campus. This is no joke, guys. Yeah, here it is. Here it is. Here's a picture of it. That's that's ridiculous. Uh, it's unbelievable. Oh my God! You, you you should Google it and see the picture. Wow, that's unbelievable. Okay, Scott Wall, an executive vice chancellor and provost at the school, told reporters that university officials were troubled by some of the reports of unlocked doors. Yeah, I'll bet. I'll bet. I'm guessing they're going to get sued here pretty quickly. And I bet you some of them sued these students right now are at a lawyer somewhere, and they're going to get you know sue the school for I don't know mental stress. We'll review the locks on the doors and any security issue that has arisen in the course of the day, uh, Wall said. Security issues? Well, let's see. You let a guy on campus with a gun, which though it's supposed to be a gun-free zone, not to mention California has some of the you know strictest gun control measures in the world. Okay, so uh, and you're going to do what now? You're going to review your security uh, measures. I don't know what there is to need to secure. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm confused. It's a gun-free zone, and it's, there's probably signs everywhere on campus. Everywhere on campus. Uh, you know, with it posted that it's a gun-free zone. And another thing that California has, this is kind of unique to California, is called 1,000 feet of a school. Where even if you have, even if you're legally, now see, it's an open carry state, California is, but you have to, your, your weapon has to be unloaded, which doesn't make any sense to me. Okay. It's called unloaded concealed carry or open carry. But even legally, okay, you know, say you're illegal and you can, you're, you know, not a felon, whatever, and you, you can carry a sidearm or whatever. You can't come within a thousand feet of a school. I mean, how does that work? I mean, if you inadvertently now look, and it's happened to people, 
maybe they inadvertently they're just walking down a street and they they have no idea. Maybe that that's a school over there, uh, nine hundred you know eighty seven feet away, and they get in trouble, a lot of trouble for that. So, yeah, they got a lot of uh, a lot of gun control down there, guys, and apparently uh, it's not working. So I just wanted to share that with you this afternoon. It's just another example of how gun control simply does not work. Now, I know that there are going to be, you know, cries of more gun control, and you're going to have the Dianne Feinsteins and that witch and Barbara Boxer. Haven't heard much from her, though, lately, old Barbara Boxer. I don't know what's going on with her. Uh, but Dianne Feinstein is a mainstay in, in, the, in the Senate, and she's not going anywhere, quietly at least. And, you know, I don't even know why I'm talking about it. It's, 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 it's redundant and it gets old. I don't know why people keep electing someone like Dianne Feinstein. She's clearly a moron. She's inept. She's ineffective. And it's just unbelievable that, that someone like a Dianne Feinstein, but look, there, there are a whole bunch of, the Senate's are full of Dianne Feinstein. You, know, you got Chuck Schumer, you got Harry Reid, uh, and you have people on the Republican side. They're just, they're there. They're just like, and they ain't going anywhere, Okay. We need to change our system, guys. We need to get these people out of there. People need to come to their senses, and and that's about all I got to say on that. Okay, let's move on. Uh, there was something I wanted to go over yesterday because I was talking a bit about globalism yesterday uh, at, at the depths that they the, these guys are going to, you know, secure, you know, their ivory tower and to secure the the globalist, uh, you know, structure, if you will. And let me find it here. Uh, hold on. You guys heard of Stephen Hawking? He's that, uh, where is he here? Where's the, Stephen Hawking. He is the, uh, he's that dude that is, here it is. He's a so-called physicist. Now I have my own, uh, opinion on Stephen Hawking. I mean, if you look at the guy and he's pathetic and I'm not trying to make fun of him. He's, he's, you know, he's severely handicapped and he just is. Uh, but I find it a little odd that he's like this brilliant genius type guy and he can't talk, but he has a computer that does it for him and, and he does all this thing. And that's just a crazy old theory of mine is that he's just a hoax. And that, you know, these, you know, this computer and all this stuff that he has that is supposedly helping him talk is just somebody doing it for him. And they put him out there as, as just some kind of a, you know, as some kind of a prop or something like that. Okay. Now I know that's kind of far fetched and I just kind of rolled that around in my head last couple of days. Okay, because it just doesn't really make any sense to me. But lo and behold, they're parading Stephen Hawking out there uh, to kind of help, you know, keep their, you know, globalist agenda uh, moving forward. And the headline, this is out of Politico, and it's unbelievable. The headline is physicist Stephen Hawking. He's bewildered by Trump. That's the headline. For Stephen Hawking, the world-renowned expert in theoretical physics and cosmology, or, cos- yeah, cosmology, uh, the success of Donald Trump's presidential campaign is a mystery. Hawken called Trump a demagogue who seems to appeal to the lowest common denominator during an appearance on the United Kingdom's ITV network. That's what he said. Never heard of the ITV network, but again, this is over in the UK. Uh, let me fire up the rest of this article here. Give it a second. Yeah, here it is. Uh, in addition to its scientific work. Okay, come on. In addition to his scientific work, Hawken, who has a slow-progressing form of ALS, is a vocal advocate for individuals with disabilities. Trump threw criticism late last year on the campaign trail when he appeared to mock a New York Times reporter 
with a disability at a rally in South Carolina. Trump later denied mocking the reporter and said he had never met him. He also, now to my own, uh, he, he made fun of Charles Krauthammer, too, or something like that, about he can't put his pants on or some kind of whatever. And I didn't even know Charles Krauthammer was handicapped, but I guess he is. He's an idiot anyway, so it's okay to make fun of Charles Krauthammer. That guy is a complete buffoon. Let me get down to the more uh, uh, what a, the point I wanted to make here with Stephen Hawking. During the same television appearance, here it is, Hawking urged British voters to vote in favor of keeping the U.K. in the European Union. The much-discussed BritX vote is scheduled for June 23rd, and a vote to leave the EU would cost Great Britain in terms of its economy, national security, and scientific research. And that's that's what he said. And here's another quote from Stephen Hawking. Gone are the days we can stand on our own against the world, he said. We need to be part of a larger group of nations, both for our security and our trade. Now, do you really think he said that? Do you really think he thought that and said that? Uh, Really? Do you really think that Stephen Hawking said that? That's ridiculous. Of course he didn't say that. Somebody said that for him. That's straight-up propaganda. I'll say it again. We need to be part of a larger group of nations, both for our security and our trade. Well, how's that working out for us, guys? How's that working out for any of us, guys? I mean, forget the U.K. How's it working out for America, being part of a larger group of nations? It ain't working out for us very well, is it? Okay, that is evident. That is evident. I don't understand how people don't understand this. That's what I wanted to point out to you. Actually, let's see here. Yep, that's actually the end of the article. They kind of end it with that quote. Not very much in the article. Again, I believe it's just, uh, you know, just propaganda. He's just a, he's just a prop, and they sent him out there, and, and you know, because you know, he's handicapped and he looks pathetic, and people are going to, well, they're going to feel sorry for him, and he's just so smart. You know, boy, we, we should really listen to that moron Stephen Hawking. You know, that's something else handicapped people think is that they think, oh, just uh, see, just because I'm handicapped, you, you can't insult me and you can't make fun of me and you can't criticize me. Uh, wrong. Wrong. That's no. Sorry. Uh, everybody's fair game. When you when you you know, when you place yourself. You know, in the in the public eye, you know, and you go out and say wacky things. Now, again, with him, I don't believe he's really saying it, but I mean, that's the perception. When you do that, you're an, you're an, you're an open target, man, uh, right? You're an open target. I mean, otherwise, I guess we just all should just, you know, claim a disability, you know, where people could feel sorry for, for us, right? But no, that's not the way the world works. There you go. Something else I wanted to kind of was a carryover for yesterday, and this is kind of unbelievable too, guys. You know, it's like, you know, it's, it's like these policies that these politicians, you know, come up with and, and, and they don't work and then they keep them, right? And it doesn't matter. You just pick one, gun control or uh, you just, just pick one, okay? Now, here's one. You know what? You know that <laughs> here it is. <laughs> I got to laugh. Uh, just the headline will make you laugh. This is from NPR. Mayor of Paris announces plans to temporarily house migrants. Now, and they got a picture of her, and I'll get to her name. I'll get to some of the article here in a second, but you know, didn't they just have like a, a so-called terrorist attack over in Paris at some Starbucks and some whack job Muslim savage, you know, with a bunch of TNT strapped to his back or whatever and blew up a, was it the, an airport or whatever, right? And they got all kinds of problems over there otherwise, you know, or in addition to 
that happening, right? They just do. It's always in the news. I mean, they got what they call no-go zones in, in uh, France. They have them in Britain as well. But I'm speaking of France now specifically. They have these, like, no-go zones where the, the cops just tell people, French nationals, so you can't go there. Don't go there. That's Muslim. Uh, those are Muslim neighborhoods. And the Muslims actually have these neighborhoods cordoned off. It's unbelievable. They got little plebiscites, actually, within Paris, the Muslims do, thanks to the uh, French uh, uh, government and the European Union uh, or orchestration there. So here's the mayor of Paris. Again, the headline is she's going she's gonna to what? Temporarily house migrants. The mayor of Paris announced Tuesday that she plans to build a camp for migrants and refugees in the north of France's capital. You know, I wonder what the people up in the north of France's capital think about that. I just wonder. Mayor Annie Hidalgo said the camp, the camp's exact location would be would be determined in the next few days and that the facility would be set up within the next six weeks, the BBC reported. Quote, Paris will not stand by and do nothing as the Mediterranean becomes a graveyard of refugees, Hidalgo said in a news conference. According to The Guardian, U.N. officials fear hundreds of migrants may have died in shipwrecks in the Mediterranean over the past week alone. Oh, well. I mean, oh, well, that's too bad. You know, too bad for them. Right. Let's see here. The BBC noted, yes, Dr. The Associated Press reports that Hidalgo had previously sparked controversy in Paris with a plan to open a homeless shelter near a chic neighborhood. Whatever. The mayor says her proposed migrant camp would offer dignity to migrants and refugees, the AP says. The socialist mayor said several times she hopes that the state will be a partner in the project, which she said must conform to international norms for refugees. She said Parisians have a humane duty to help the have-not travelers, adding that she's confident the Paris population will be at our side. I kind of doubt that. I mean, I kind of doubt that they will. But you're, never, you're not going to hear that, though. I mean, yeah, they're, you know, they'll get somebody for the camera, you know, some actor or some you know, whack-job lunatic, you know, that'll get, you know, they'll, they'll get like an, they'll, you know, kind of put out there as like, oh, here's an everyday average Parisian, right? And it'll be some college female or something like that. And with tears and, oh, it's just so, it's just so bad, those poor people and whatever. But that's really not the case. That's really not the case. I'm guessing that the vast majority of Parisians, okay, and the vast majority of the citizens of France think this is a bad idea. And, and look, it's one of the reasons why there's this, I believe, why there's this, you know, so-called, uh, push. No, and it's, there is a push for, the, for, for Britain to leave the European Union because they're sick of stuff like this. Those people over there are, you know, and they're a little bit further ahead than we are over here as far as, you know, we're catching up, though, as far as the whole, uh, you know, uh, globalist kind of scheme goes. People are, you know, kind of figuring it out, and, you know, they, they don't want this anymore, you know. They, they want control of their own countries. They want control of their own cities and towns and neighborhoods. They don't want their politicians acting, you know, independently or unilaterally uh, with, with other uh, countries against the will of, of them, they're, they're the people. I mean, that, to me, that just makes sense, though. You know, to me, that just makes sense. You know, why would you collaborate with someone else against the will of your own people? Well, you would only do that if you're a traitor or a piece of garbage. Or both, or all three, right? Let's see. Squinting to look at the time. I have a little bit of time before the break. 
I know, guys. It's like every day, you know, every week you come on here and, you know, the news is bad. And I wish I could, you know, talk about, you know, other things. But all of the issues, everything that is going on needs to be addressed. And it needs to be addressed openly and in a a, a strong, opinionated way. Because people are sick and tired of their governments pushing them around. Hey, you know, you had this... uh, and I'll get into this after the break. You had the, the, the whole, uh, what was it down there in Southern Oregon? The whole, uh, uh, you know, the Cl- Clive and Bundy's people and all that, the whole, you know, BLM fiasco going on. Remember that was going on down there in Southern Oregon? Here's a headline. Utah sheriffs threatened to arrest Rangers, not Army Rangers, uh, U- uh, US, uh, U.S. like forest rangers, if they try to close public lands. Now, I'm going to read from this uh, after the break, but I just wanted to set it up. And, you know, they're going, to, they're going to be in this article. They're kind of specifically talking about one sheriff. And you know what? Uh, you're going to like this guy. Uh, but you know what? At the same time, he's just doing his job. I mean, he, he's just doing what's supposed to be done, you know. So it's not like extraordinary. I, I know it's, it's going to sound extraordinary or sound, you know, So, and like, wow, that's fantastic and that's amazing. But really, it's not. You know, really, it's not. That's what sheriffs are supposed to do. You know, that's what they're supposed to do, what he's doing down there. And and this is in Utah. Okay. So, again, it's not like extraordinary. Yeah, I'm glad it's happening. I'm glad that there are some sheriffs out there that actually are doing their job, unlike that punk uh, down there in southern Oregon. Okay who, by the way, sent a SWAT team to my house because I was calling down there wanting information on the murder of uh, LaVoy Finnegan. That's right. I guess you guys remember that. And I kind of let that drop uh, to keep the peace there. Uh, But, yeah, just making phone calls down to a sheriff's office in southern Oregon. Uh, They sent a SWAT team. I hear the music, guys. See you after the break.
people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific.
right, folks, welcome back. Second half of the Condition Critical Show. I'm your host, Jay Shanahan. And you're listening right here on the American Voice Radio Network. It is now 38 minutes past the 2 o'clock hour. Again, my live show for Thursday, the second day of June 2016. A couple more administrative things. You're listening right here, guys, on the American Voice Radio Network. Uh, hold on. Uh, hold on. Let me type something here. One second. Yeah. Okay, sorry. And, yeah, listening right here on the American Voice Radio Network. You can go to the American Voice Radio or AmericanVoiceRadio.com. As you guys all should know by now, that's the website. Uh, for this network. Check out my website, conditioncriticalshow.com. Check out my blog. Got some things on there. I've been having some fun with my blog. I've been, you know, kind of telling you guys about that. And uh, I'm adding new, I've added a, a bunch of new categories. Uh, I misspelled one. You guys are maybe good if you see that. And I'm going to have to go in there and and figure that out and and, and get it spelled correctly. Had fat fingers or something. But anyway, yeah, I got some, some different... Uh, I got some different categories on there, and uh, one of the categories, and I explain it in the post, is that I'm hoping that that will help propel, you know, my blog to be somewhat of a more of an interactive experience. So uh, just check it out, guys. I'm just having some fun with it. Oh, and by the way, uh, that Oregon Ranch BLM standoff, uh, I have to issue a correction here, what did not happen in southern Oregon. Uh, it happened in Eastern Oregon, and someone uh, kindly pointed that out to me. So, and I promised I would make that correction. So, let's just be clear: that happened in Eastern Oregon and not Southern Oregon. So, let's just uh, move on. Uh, with the remaining time, I want to talk about this article and about this sheriff. And it's just from NPR, and the headline is Utah Sheriffs. Now, it's not more than one, but there's one in particular in here that they're going to focus on, threaten to arrest rangers if they choose or if they close public lands. And again, those aren't Army rangers. Even with Cliven Bundy and many of his militia supporters in jail, anger toward the federal government is still running high in some parts of the West. Clashes between ranchers and federal land managers over grazing rights are continuing. In southern Utah, things have gotten so bad lately that some local sheriffs have threatened to arrest federal rangers who try to close forest roads and cut off access to ranchers and other users. Sometimes it's hard to tell whether Garfield County Sheriff James Danny Perkins is serious for pulling your leg. That's what NPR is saying. Now, you're in a police vehicle. You understand that, right? He asked while gesturing towards the center console of his pickup truck. There is a gun in here. If you happen to ever need a gun, I don't think you will. I don't know why he said that. Garfield County is roughly the size of Connecticut, and it's up to Perkins and a half a dozen deputies to patrol all of it. The, the country's big and it's vast, Perkins says. I mean, it's like this for miles and miles and miles. Of course, yeah, those of us that live out here in the West, uh, that's true. We, and you know that. Now, here's something. Here's something, guys. This, this is unbelievable. Federal land makes up 94% of this county, of that county. It's in this article, it says this county. And let me just get the county right, Garfield County. So Garfield County, Utah, uh, is 94% federal land. I mean, really? Does anybody see a problem with that? Okay. So you'd think that Perkins would welcome the help of federal authorities. Well, I mean, there you go. I mean, hey, man, why not? Right? I mean, why not? 
you know, hey, let's just go steal some of Utah's land. It doesn't belong to us. And then, you know, they should be thankful for that. I mean, geez, come on. I mean, geez, what, what a wacky sheriff this is here. Think again. In the sagebrush hills outside the one stoplight town, he pulls off the road or off the highway and points to a dirt track. This is a conflict, and you're going to see just a little bit of it. Here's a road right here that was put here with teams and wagons, Perkins says. We're talking pioneer wagons here. Boulders lie in front of it, and a bulldozer chewed it up so pickups or ATVs can't drive up it anymore. Federal Rangers did this recently, he says. Locals have had access here for generations. There is an agenda, and don't kid yourself, there is an agenda to get rid of the grazing. There is an agenda to shut down our roads, Perkins says. Tensions over federal land. Who gets to do what on it and who is in charge of it are as high as they've been out here since at least the 1990s. Perkins and many others in his position will give you an earful about how they believe federal agencies have been taking over, have been taken over by environmental extremists. And, you know, that may be true, uh, but they're just federalists. I mean, they're just they're just the the federal they're just federalists. I mean, yeah, maybe they're, you know, extreme environmentalists, too. But let's just be clear who they are. But there is, more, uh, there is more than just a turf battle. Perkins, too, has an agenda. He proudly refers to himself as a constitutional sheriff. And, okay, and that's cool. Because I raised my right arm to the square, and I swore to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States, he goes on to say. A few miles away in his office, he swivels back in his chair and starts digging through a file cabinet. He opens copies of papers and the Constitution on him, blah, blah, blah. And, 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 and nowhere in there, he says, does it say anything about the Bureau of Land Management or Forest Service law enforcement officers? let alone whether they have the authority to pull over people for driving off-road or arrest people for illegal campfires, he says. As sheriff, he answers to the state of Utah. Well, uh, God bless the man, right? The powers delegated by the Constitution or proposed de- delegated by the proposed Constitution to the federal government are few and defined, he says. Uh, and what's he say? He goes on to say, I can even... I can even understand that, he says. And you know what? I can't do it. I'm just a truck driver. I want to get on to what he's saying here about... Uh, I have another thing. There's a cold one case. There's a guy with the rest. And here it is. It, it's, it's clear that Sheriff Perkins, who's also a rancher, wants to push some boundaries. Now, I don't know why NPR is saying that. I don't, and he's not pushing any boundaries. He's enforcing the law. That's not pushing boundaries. You know, being the sheriff of your, of a, of your county... Okay, and enforcing the, the law is not pushing boundaries. But see, that's their narrative. Oh, who, how dare that sheriff uh, talk that way to the federal rangers and the federal government? How dare him? That's pushing boundaries? Uh, this, is how, this is how obscene these people are. Let's see. Da-da-da, where's it go here? Okay, here it is. Uh, uh, it's okay, constitutionalist, BLM, okay. It's clear by the rancher, okay. Here it goes. I told a, here it goes. I told the Forest Service ranger that if he went out and closed the road that Garfield County has jurisdiction on, I would arrest him. And then there was a time that his deputies did arrest a BLM ranger they said was illegally issuing citations to campers. Wasn't me that pulled the trigger on that deal. Do I think he needed to come to jail? I do. The guy's a fruitcake. <laughs> the guy's a fruitcake. For federal land managers, this was the latest instance of threat and intimidation directed at their field staff in the West. There's been an increase in reported confrontations lately. Well, the, the only reason there are confrontations, okay, and I'll stop reading from the article. Look, the only reason that there are confrontations, and, and, and here's the thing. Here's the thing. The federal government 
okay, they are the ones that initiate contact with the American people. They are the ones. And, and law enforcement in general, lately, I mean, like in the last 25, 30, 40, 50 years, I guess, uh, they are the ones that push the boundaries. They are the ones that incite confrontation. It's not just the average people. Average people out there, you know, average people are law-abiding people, right? You know, walking in the park, doing whatever. Hey, man, I'm just out here. I'm just, you know, minding my own business. It's the federal government, and it is law enforcement, and in this case, specifically federal law enforcement, that are pushing boundaries and initiating contact with people they have no business uh, coming in contact with. It's apparent. It's not just apparent, but they're not supposed to be there. And, and see, that's the problem. They're there illegally. And so, of course, there's going to be a confrontation, but they initiated it. And look, the day's coming. You know, because like I said, they're the ones that initiate contact with law-abiding people. And when law-abiding people have had like enough of it, they're going to they're going to just do what's natural and they're going to strike back. Okay. And I'll, I'll reference Christopher Dorner as a classic example. You know, there was a guy that just got pushed too far. He got pushed too far. And he said, you know what? I'm going to have to take matters into my own hands here. And he did. And well, now he paid the price for it because they, they are, they, Hey, he basically gave them no quarter and they did likewise in return because they, I don't know if you can call it murder. I'll call it murder, you know, because that's not what they're supposed to do. They trapped him in a cabin up in Big Bear Lake or something, uh, California, and they just firebombed the place. You know, they didn't even try and get him out of there. They just firebombed it. His body was, like, unrecognizable and unidentifiable almost, uh, according to the reports, because he had been burned so badly to a crisp, you know. And that's what they do. And so with the federal whatever, the Bureau of Land Management, you know, uh, unjustly, illegally, you know, <laughs> being in, 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 well, being anywhere, but we're talking about Southern Oregon here, they're the, they are the ones. And so when one of those uh, U.S. forest rangers gets arrested or, and I'll say, God forbid, I don't want anybody to get killed, but when one of them gets killed in a shootout, it's only going to be their fault. Kind of like when William Deegan, you guys all remember William Deegan? He was the U.S. Marshal that was involved with the Ruby Ridge uh, fiasco that the federal government initiated, that the ATF initiated. They went and picked a fight with somebody, and they got what they got. Well, William Deegan was uh, killed in a shootout, and that, you know what, uh, uh, that's, I actually have the date, like on my calendar, saved every year. Uh, I, I celebrate that day every year. Every year I, I celebrate that day. I, and I've actually called the U.S., uh, Marshall's uh, office because he was out of you know one thing. Now here's a U.S. a U.S. Marshal. Okay, that's one thing. He he shouldn't have been there at Ruby Ridge in the first place. But but secondly, he wasn't even from that area. He was from Massachusetts. So what is a U.S. Marshal from Massachusetts doing in Ruby Ridge, Idaho? And now I know this happened a long time ago, but it's germane to what we're talking about. And that is is that the federal government and these federal law enforcement punks initiate contact with the American people. They are the ones that push uh, boundaries. They are the ones that are ignorant to people. They think they can just do anything they want. I'm the federal government. I'm sanctioned by them, and, and you can't tell me what to do. These are our lands. Bull. 
wrong. And you're going to get a fight. You're going to get a fight. And nobody wants that. Nobody wants, certainly the American people don't want that. We just want to be left alone. We just want to be left alone. You know, we want to go ride our ATVs where we've ridden them, you know, for generations or, or go horseback riding or something like that. I don't need some federal, uh, you know, Bureau of Land Management punk, you know, trying to issue me a citation or, or uh, shoo me away or, or, you know, tell me I can't have a campfire or something like that. Get the hell away from me. Now, they say in this article, they justify it by saying, and let me see if I can find it, because it, this is just a, here it is. This is a national system of public land, so we manage these lands for all Americans. And this is coming from, uh, what's the guy's name? His last name is Ellis. I'm trying to find his first name. Steve. Steve Ellis downplays the tension, saying they're actually not that common. The key thing is working cooperatively with local law enforcement, with these sheriffs. That's our desire. No, it's not. No, it's not there, Steve Ellis. No, it's not. You're not trying to work. Who thinks that? Who, who really thinks that they're trying to cooperate with local law enforcement? I guarantee you that they are, that they are highly uh, uh, ignorant to these sheriffs. I, I guarantee you that, that they won't take phone calls from them, or they have to schedule appointments, and then they, they, they stand them up and, and all that. I guarantee you that, that they're not cooperating with those sheriffs, or with any sheriff for that matter. I guarantee you that. And then he wants to come out with some tripe by saying this is a national system of public lands. So we manage these lands for all Americans, he says. Well, tough. Nobody asked you to, number one. You're here illegally, number two. Oh, okay. Nobody wants you there. <laughs> you know, but you're staying, and then you're going to get what you're going to get. Because it's going to happen again. It's, a, it's, it's, a, it's bound to happen again. I'll read just a little bit more. Still, the BLM is worried, especially after the armed standoffs in Nevada and Oregon. And there are sheriffs in the West who sympathize with the now-jailed Clive and Bundy and his militia followers. They have to, and I get it, that they're going to say that. I get it, and they're going to say that. I don't, I don't like that kind of uh, terminology or that kind of distinction, but you know, they're, they're gonna, we, we just have to understand that they're going to say that. A lot of the principles these constitutional sheriffs espouse are some of the same things you hear from the Bundys. Sheriff Perkins told me he was invited and in some instances pressured by local ranchers to join the Bundys, but he would have none of it. And that's his prerogative. And here it goes. This is a quote for him. I said at the time, and I stand by it, that that is nothing but, well, and see, well, I got to be fair. And this is coming from the sheriff now. He say, and this is a quote from him. I said it at the time, and I'll stand by it. That is nothing but domestic terrorism. He shouldn't say things like that. He, go, he went on to say, yes, there's been a story. A lot of these guys have been bullied around by the BLM. But you don't handle it that way. Now, okay, that you know that's more of a moderated tone, and I guess I could, you know, I've established my position on how I felt about what was going on down there. I, I completely disagree with him referring to that as domestic terrorism. That is a federal speak, and he should be careful uh, t- talking in those kind of terms. But he is, after all, a law enforcement. Okay, uh, so he, you know, he might be, you know, on one hand, you know. He's talking about he's a constitutional good dude or whatever. But when he says something like that, then that's what you call talking out of both sides of your mouth, right? So uh, that's, that, that, that kind of troubles me. And that should trouble the people down there, you know, in, in, in southern Utah. This is where this is happening in, what was it, the county. Again, I just want to make things clear here. Uh, was it Garfield County, was it? Yes, Garfield County. So the sheriff of Garfield County 
referred, and it specifically referred to the people that, you know, that Clive and Bundy, and it was a fiasco as domestic terrorism. I, I disagree with that. And I, I'm guessing you guys would as well. Let's see here, blah, blah, blah. I'll just read the last paragraph. So despite all his tough talk, Perkins is still being careful, still working within the system. He and other sheriffs have been going to Washington, D.C. a lot lately, lobbying. And in the past few weeks, he says, after Utah Republicans introduce a bill to strip law enforcement powers from the BLM, relations out here are getting better. Well, that's good. I mean, it's because, yeah, at the end of the day, you know, people just want peace. You know, really, it, everybody just wants to, to, to live peacefully. Okay. But the only way we're going to be able to live peacefully, federal government, now I'm speaking to you directly and everyone within the federal government. And secondly, all you law enforcement people out there, stop pushing people. Stop pushing people around. Stop looking for a fight, man. What's, what's going on here? You, know, you got a screw loose or something like that? I mean, what's going on here? You know, regular people don't go out every day looking for a fight like you guys do. You guys go out looking for a fight. And, you know, maybe it's the fact that, you know, you got these, uh, uh, these fancy armored vehicles and you have uh, militarized uh, weaponry. You, you don't even wear regular cop uniforms anymore. I mean, you look like paramilitary people. And, you know, when you, you, know, when you don that type of gear, okay, uh, maybe it tends to give you some kind of a, you know, uh, like a power trip or something like that. You know, so, you know, my suggestion to, to the sheriffs out there and to the cops out there is that, you know, you, kinda, you guys need to kind of go back to the way it used to be and put on a regular uniform, get out of the armored personnel carriers, stop driving around in, 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 in freaking armor-plated Jeeps and, and Suburbans, okay? Uh, this isn't, uh, isn't uh, Hoochie here, guys. Okay, this is America. We, we, we're supposed to do things different here, okay? We do have structure here. We, we do have rule. Well, we're supposed to, anyway, have, like, rule of law and all that, right? Everybody knows what's supposed to happen. Everybody, because we talk about it. You know, I brought that up last week. You know, we're, we're, we're intelligent people uh, in this country for the most part. And there's a lot of people out there that are very knowledgeable about the Constitution and, and about, you know, the rule of law and all that. And they can recite for you chapter and verse the Constitution and this and that and, and this statute and that statute. So we all know what we're supposed to do. Yet, and nobody seems to really obviously want to do anything about it. The BLM's not supposed to be there. Everybody knows that. It's been well established that what they're doing is illegal. It's against the Constitution. But no, but, but they're there anyway, okay? But they're there anyway. And, I, you know, on, on the other hand, you know, like I said, God bless the man. You know, at least he is there, and he is, and, and you know, the, the whole domestic terrorist thing is the, the thing that's holding me back from kind of, uh, you know, supporting this guy, you know, too much, because that's kind of troubling when he, when, he, when he says something like that. So, anyway, I see we're getting close to the end of the show. I just wanted to share that with you this afternoon. I was going to share it yesterday, but ran out of time. Just like I'm running out of time today, guys. So, uh, as you all know, this is the uh, last broadcast of the week for me. Back to work uh, for me tomorrow. As I always say, Friday is uh, my Monday. And, yeah, things are busy at work. I talked about that. We picked up a lot of business. And so, uh, once I go back to work, I'm pretty much, that's it for me. Uh, and I don't even get on the computer uh, on my work days because I, I work you know, the maximum amount of hours, they just, you know, they pile them on. So 
And, you know, it's a double-edged sword for me. I shouldn't complain too much because it's good money. And, and, you know, it's not, it's, you know, it's, it's not really a bad job. And, and, and the work's easy. It's easy work. It's not, uh, you know, strenuous or anything like that. So, yeah. Anyway, okay, guys. I was looking at the chat room there. Hey, a good way to contact me is visit my website, gentlemen. Go to conditioncriticalshow.com and you've got my email address there and you can contact me. You can also call me or text, text message me at 253-973-2995. That's my cell phone number. I hear the music. God bless each and every one of you. And really, thanks for listening, guys. Two things. Two things. Be all that you can be. <laughs> Become a domestic terrorist. Okay, and remember this, guys, freedom comes from the sword. See you next week. Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Running out. Just-
jobs leaving the country. Many people cannot afford to eat or keep a roof over their head. Too many can do neither. Messiah's Branch at the Mission Church in Wichita, Kansas, that helps the victims of this banker's economy, the American people, your neighbors. The mission is the last hope for so many Americans. We need your help to lift up the poorest of the poor. These are men, women, and children who once had homes, now in the street. They all need what you need. First aid, beds, food, clothing, and so on. You can send a monetary gift or a box of necessities to 230 West 4th Street, Florence, Kansas, 66851. Or donate online by going to wichitahomeless.com. Or simply call 316-619-4886. Welcome to the Messiah's Branch Broadcast, a one-hour prophecy program on the American Voice Radio Network. Featuring Pastor Dan of the Messiah's Branch Ministry. And now, here's Pastor Dan. Greetings, saints, and welcome to the Messiah's Branch Prophecy Hour. We are broadcasting live from the Flint Hills of Kansas, and we're on the what? The American Voice Radio Network. Today's date is June 2nd, 2016. Most just don't realize it, but we are in that time at the end, and that's the time before Messiah's glorious return. So it's time to get out of sin the world and look to the holy city and look to the one who suffered and died for you. Hear the sound of the shofar. Heed the warning. Get right now, please, before it's too late. Please make this choice tonight. If you need help after the program, call me. I'll pray for you or with you. If you get the machine, please leave your name, your number, your prayer request, and or message. Remember, folks, we also have email this is a, a wonderful day and age. You can send me your phone number by email uh, because I'm in front. I have the computer on most all the time when I'm not at the mission church, except for when I'm sleeping because I work most all the time in one form or another. And so the computer's on because we like to keep you informed in case the world's blowing up, so to speak. So you check it out at propsyr.com and you get the, the email address. And so you send me your prayer request. We'll print it out. We'll take it to the Mission Church, we'll anoint it with oil, pray over it, and we'll even mail it back to you if you include an address to mail it back to you at. And we will charge you nothing, nor will we solicit you for anything. Anyway, the phone number here, of course, is 620-878-4682, 620-878-4682. And an emergency, my cell phone number is 316-619-4886. And, you know, please don't give that number out to the things. I don't know who's responsible or how it comes about, 
But my cell phone is finally getting those bogus calls, you know, for businesses and all that spam, I guess, phone spam. That's what it is. So I get a lot of it. Anyway, so you can always find updates of the Breaking News, our ministry, radio program archives, and our mailing address, which is all at our blog, which is ProxyHour.com. Remember, we're a national satellite program, which is simulcast live on the net internationally. So pray about supporting airtime. Airtime cost, it's not free. And remember, Messiah's branch sells nothing. We just rely on the Father to put it on your heart to donate to us so that we can stay on the air. Okay. Remember, our program archives can be found at Messiah's branch uh, dot. No, 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 not Messiah's branch. Sorry, prophecyhour.com. What I would my, sidetrack my my mind is that yesterday our programs were picked up by Google Play, I was told, from an RS feed or something. So I guess you can hear our radio programs on Google Play. I guess it is Google Play. Um, I'm not quite sure how to get to it, but it's called Google Play Music. That's what it is. Anyway, on another note, I want to thank our listener base that is worldwide in places like Stockholm, Sweden, Helsinki, Finland, Dublin, Ireland, Athens, Greece, Saudi Arabia, uh, well, Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, Rosario, Argentina, Seattle, Washington, Washington, D.C., Tulsa, Oklahoma, Houston, Texas, San Diego, California, Santa Ana, California, and Boston, Massachusetts, as well as Wichita, Kansas, which still remains the largest group of listeners to our radio programs, that is, when they hit the podcast later tonight. And we'll be changing that list of people next week. I just didn't get around to it today, so excuse me for that. Now a prayer will bring on tonight's guest, which has been on with us before. Dear Heavenly Father, in Yeshua HaMashiach's name, I pray. Father, I pray for you tonight, goes according to your will and not mine. Because, Father, I don't know how to do anything. I don't know how to do radio. I don't. I can do nothing without you. So, Father, I turn things over to you in Yeshua HaMashiach's name. Bless the people so they can hear the truth in Yeshua's name. Amen and amen. Well, tonight's guest has been on with us uh, before, talking about many different things, including places of refuge. And yes, I'm talking about Michael T. Snyder. He has a blog called the Economic Collapse Blog, and the most well, I think the other one's the most important thing. Well, he can correct me when he comes on. He's also the author of the book Beginning of the End. He has became very popular on other prophecy-related radio and TV programs, and has now started his own video program called The Watch with his very beautiful wife, Miranda. And I I will say, you know, it seems like about a year ago, um, I mean, Michael been around with the economic collapse for a little while, but when the father decided to get a hold of him, he is now becoming extremely, uh, well, I hate to say popular, but he is being used all across the internet, whether it's on the web, you know, on the web and on TV programs. So, Really should pay attention to what he says. But tonight I brought him back on to talk about his book, The Rapture. And let's talk to Michael because I know you all don't want to listen to me. Welcome, Michael. Hello, Pastor Dan. Thank you for having me on the program again today. It's, it's great to be with you again. Well, I appreciate you coming back. I mean, you know, you're a pretty famous guy right now, aren't you? <laughs> well, uh, you, know, you know what? In the in these last days, God's just raising up 
you know, average people like me, uh, you know, people like you who come from just different backgrounds. We, you know, maybe didn't go to seminary. We weren't, cha- you know, trained through the system. But he's just taking average people. You know, me, I was just an attorney working in Washington, D.C. You, you know, you've got a real unique background. But he's just taking people from different walks of life. He's raising up an army in these last days. And, you know, yeah, he, God has been opening up some incredible doors for me, but I could never do it by myself. All the glory has to go to him. And it's, you know, and he's given me a forum to get this message out that I'm proclaiming um, because, you know, things are coming on this earth, and, and people need to be aware of what's happening. Yeah, amen. Um, a big thing that I, that I see probably about you that I feel it is for sure with myself, but we can even point back to the apostles. You know, they were, uh, they were used. They weren't church people. You know, you should. Uh, when he got the people to take the message to the world, the wonderful message, of course, the gospel, he used people that weren't, you know, uh, in the, the, well, the church, so to speak, if you will. So, amen. Yeah, you're absolutely right. But look, before we go any further, I got to talk. Uh, I got to tell the people about your program. Um, I stumbled across that. I, I don't know how many times I've been to your site, and I looked over there, and I've seen this thing over there. Look, and I've seen your wife's smiling face, and I've seen you, and I said, what's that? And it sits to watch, and I pressed it, and you've got a TV program. Tell us about it. Yeah, yeah, we're very excited about this. It had been in our heart to do something with video for a while because we want to get the warning message, the message God has put in our hearts out in so many different ways, whether it's through our websites, my books, you know, uh, these different ways. But And we wanted to do something with video, but we had kind of been putting it off for a while. But then a few months ago, uh, Jim Baker uh, actually approached us and said, hey, you've got a very important message. I'd like to have you on our network, the PTL Television Network. And so we thought, well, yeah, that's a real great honor. Let us do that. So at the time, we didn't have any video equipment. We didn't know anything about video editing software, all that. So we had to learn from scratch, basically. It's been a huge learning curve. But so now our, our, we've, we've got this new half-an-hour show that we're, that we're creating. And, yeah, it's on the PTL Television Network, which you can get through Roku and other places. But we're also putting it on YouTube for free so people all over the world can see it. And so, me, you know, people have gotten to know me through the websites and through the radio programs and through everything else. But now people are going to get a chance to get to know my wife, Miranda, because we're doing the program together. And so I, I hope people will check it out. It's called The Watch, and it's available for free on, on YouTube. Well, amen. And, and I really enjoyed the program, And I got, and but I've got to make a comment naturally. I guess I get to do that because I'm the guy, you know what I mean? <laughs> but anyway, um, I really have to comment about your wife. We're, you know, and I sent you an email about this, but I'm going to say it on the air. Um, I noticed the picture, the picture that you use for the watch, and your wife's looking at you, and she looks, in, she's looking at you um, in this look of of just total love and compassion towards you, and that she's pleased with you, and that says a lot about you. Do you see somebody to have that kind of a deep love for you says a lot about you and says a lot about your relationship. Because believe me, the father wouldn't be putting his hand on you because, you know, man and woman become as one, and that's your other half. So, you know, uh, it's a wonderful thing, and I just pray the father really blesses your program, Michael. 
Well, thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm truly blessed with a wife that's much greater than I ever deserved. And she's, you know, she's really my partner in every way. She, like me, she's also zealous for Torah. She loves to uh, uh, keep the Sabbath and the festivals, and we pray together every day, and, and we move in the things of the Holy Spirit together. And, and we're really ministry partners trying to get this message out. So it's such a blessing to have a godly wife who's walking with me every step of the way. And so um, I'm excited that people are going to start to get to know her now through this program because people have gotten to know me, but now they're going to get to know her. Yeah, amen. Well, you know, I, I, um, and we'll get on to your book in a minute, but I, I just have to say that, you know, there's so many people that are unequally yoked. I myself, you know, I, I used to be in the outlaw world and everything, and, and my wife, you know, came out of that world with me. We came out and we progressed and grew together, you know. And so without having her, I don't see that what I'm doing, you know, was possible. The Father made it possible by giving me the right mate. And that counts so much. And I just want to point people to that that article that you wrote on. We don't have to get into depth in it or anything, but you wrote an article, uh, something about like that. Um, Tell them where it's at. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, I'm not sure. Okay, I'll click it over in just a second. I'll tell you the name of it. Your, um, well, well, it's supposed to be right there. Oh, um, you, on the man and the woman, you know what I'm saying? It's um, yeah, yeah. Well, I just put up an article entitled Eight Reasons Why It Is So Hard to Find Someone Decent to Marry." You know, in our yeah, there it is. today. And yeah, it is. eight reasons why it's so hard to find someone decent to marry. A really hard, uh, a really good article, folks. And you go to the Economic Collapse blog and uh, uh, read it. I clicked over. I don't know why I didn't see it at first, but yes, it's there. And I really strongly suggest people to go over there and read all your articles, especially this one. But I want to get on with some other things, and I just wanted to point that out, if if you don't mind. Oh, of course. And, and, uh, you know, people that are single out there, it can be so tempting to just settle for someone who's not godly because it it is so hard to find a, a good mate, a good husband or wife these days. But I would encourage people who are believers, who are single, who are looking, you know, just to pray, to seek God, because... Personally, I didn't get married till I was 35, but then God brought uh, someone really, really special into my life. And sometimes when God has something really special in mind for us, he makes us wait just a little bit longer, you know, like he did with Abraham with the birth of Isaac, and, and uh, is just one example. So don't give up, don't be discouraged, just keep seeking God, and God will bring a wonderful uh, a believing husband or wife into your life when the, when the time is right. Yeah, Amen. In fact, you know, I've been with my wife. We have our 31st anniversary this year, and uh, uh, so, amen, you know. Uh, I And I'm 60 years old, so I, she came into my life when I was 30. Okay, amen. Anyway, um, moving right along, uh, I, what about this article? Um, is this really – I know this is important, so I want you to tell the people how and why we should watch this, and then I want to get into the book, The Rapture Verdict, and spend the rest of the program on that. Turkish military forces have entered Syria. Why is that important? Well, it's uh, exceedingly important because, uh, you know, right now, of course, there's been this civil war in Syria that's been going on for five years. And it was actually started, you know, if you go back five years ago, Secretary of State Hillary Clinton, she was Secretary of State at that time, they, you know, of course, the Arab Spring was raging, and she got together with Turkey and Saudi Arabia, and she said, you know, hey, this Arab Spring is going on, it's a great opportunity, let's try to overthrow President Assad in Syria, 
get Syria, remove Syria from the, the Iranian uh, axis of power out of the, the, the Shia axis of power and bring it into the Sunni axis of power, because about 70% of all Syrians are Sunni anyway. So they said they, they organized these protests, and they, then they became violent, and then they armed the rebels, and this huge civil war broke out, which has you know, gone on for five years, resulted in all these refugees going all over the world, including the United States. But, uh, you know, then, of course, what happened is the Syrians, the Syrian government called in. They said, hey, they asked for help from the Russians, the Iranians, from Hezbollah. And so the tide of the war is turned, and, and the militants that were being backed by Turkey and Saudi Arabia and the U.S. government started losing. And so Turkey and Saudi Arabia have been very, very upset about this. Um, and so, you know, and then there, there was, you know, the ceasefire and things looked like they had settled down for a little bit. But now things are heating up again. In fact, it's being reported in the international media by Russian media, by Iranian media, that Turkish military forces have now crossed the border between Turkey and Syria, and they've established positions near the town of Afrin and then near the town of Azaz. And uh, Azaz, in, in particular, is uh, very, very important because that the, the, the road that goes through Azaz is the key corridor that, uh, that uh, has been supplying militants in Aleppo with weapons, with arms, with food, with the things that they need to continue the fight. And of course, Aleppo at one time was the, you know, one of the biggest cities in Syria, their most important economic city uh, there in northern Syria. But, uh, you know, there's been a huge struggle, and, and right now there's a, a struggle for Aleppo and, and the, the jihadists that are fighting against the Syrian government. They're in danger of losing the battle, so Turkey is very distressed about that. So they want to keep that corridor, the Azaz corridor, open so they can keep supplying militants in Aleppo. But basically now that Turkey, Turkish military forces have come over without permission, of course, of the Syrian government, they basically invaded Syria. Now, they haven't gone that far yet. Just a couple northern towns are setting up positions. But this is a major, major escalation in the conflict where, now, you know, up until now, Turkey had been uh, supplying and supporting forces there fighting in Syria, including ISIS, where ISIS fighters, if they get injured, they go back over into Turkey. They're treated at Turkish hospitals. They get food. They get supplies. And, of course, ISIS is, has sold hundreds of millions of dollars of stolen oil through Turkey. You know, so ISIS and Turkey have been working very, very close with one another. But, you know, of course, now ISIS and the other militant groups are having troubles. They're, they're being pushed back. So now Turkey is stepping in. The Turkish military has come in, and they've set up these positions in northern Syria, essentially declaring a state of open warfare on Syria. Now, what's going to happen? Are they going to try to go farther? Are they going to push, you know, now that they've kind of dipped their toe in the water, are they going to move forward? And what will the Russians do? What will the Iranians do? Will the Russians, you know, uh, bomb those positions? Will they attack those positions? Will they leave them alone? We don't know, but, you know, we, we talked on a previous program, Pastor Dan, about how the situation in Syria could potentially be a spark that sets off World War III, right. and that remains true today. And uh, so we'll keep a close eye on this. But for the first time, I mean, previously, Turkey had shelled positions in northern Syria, particularly Kurdish positions, and they had, you know, uh, attacked uh, positions with aircraft, but now they have... According to the Russian 
uh, news sources and Iranian news sources, sources in the international media, Turkish forces have actually crossed the border and right. taken positions in northern Syria. So this is very, very serious. But so far we've heard basically nothing about this in the Western media. Right. Um, you know, I don't think much about the Western media now at all. In fact, uh, most stories that I go to check out, I go to I look at the media from around the world, you know. Um, but this Ed Rogan character, the guy that's a, the head of Turkey, he's quite some kind of character, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. This, uh, basically, you know, here in the United States, we're trained to think of Turkey as our friend, but this... Uh, this president over there in Turkey, uh, President Erdogan, I, I believe is how you pronounce it. Uh, you know, kind of funny. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a funny pronunci pronunciation. But basically, this guy has essentially become a dictator. He's put uh, people in the media that criticize him in prison. He's uh, really consolidated his power. You know, there in the in the government. But and basically today, you know, of course, radical Islam is fueling much of this. But Really, you know, this president, President Erdogan, it kind of has a a uh, dreams of recreating the old Ottoman Empire. You know, the Ottoman Empire used to control much of the Middle East, including the land of Israel. And uh, you know, and he, this 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 guy, this pr president of Turkey, dreams of recreating that empire. And so, you know, if, uh, these days political rallies there in Turkey are very reminiscent of what Nazi rallies looked like in the 1930s under Adolf Hitler, just extreme nationalism, extreme pride in Turkey, and extreme pride in the destiny of their nation or what they're supposed to do. And, of course, uh, you know, Islam is playing a big role in this. But and, and now so we're seeing Turkey start to become much more aggressive. They've already got troops in uh, northern Iraq. The Russians, in fact, the other day were, you know, use some very angry language about that, that they're saying that Turkey needs to get their troops out of northern Iraq. Now they've moved troops into northern Syria. So Turkey is starting to become aggressive, move their military forces into other nations, just like the Nazis did in the 1930s. Right. But now, you know, we're seeing a similar pattern here with Turkey. But, you know, that, you know, we're here in the United States, we're told, oh, Turkey is our friend. They're our ally. They're part of the NATO alliance. But really, this is a very dangerous nation that's moving very much toward radical Islam. And the kind of behaviors that we're seeing in there are very reminiscent of what we saw in the 1930s under, under Adolf Hitler. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Joel Richardson does a lot of reporting on it. In fact, um, he uh, points to the old Ottoman Empire as being uh, actually the kingdom of, will come back and be, uh, you know, the Antichrist, if I got it down right. Um, and so, you know, it is something to completely watch. And by the way, folks, Joel Richardson is going to be on with us next week. He's got a new DVD out, and we'll talk about that. But we don't want to take up Michael's time. Well, well, we only got uh, – we can – let's talk about – let's just say why the name Rapture Verdict, because we only got about two minutes before break. So why the name Rapture Verdict for your new book? Verdict. Yeah, I Originally, Pastor Dan, I was going to call it the rapture debate because, you know, people have their different positions and there's this great debate out there, been a debate for years. But as I was writing the book, I thought the Lord wanted me to name it the rapture verdict because 
as we'll talk about after the break, the evidence from the scriptures is actually exceedingly, exceedingly clear. You know what? And, you know, and about one out of every twenty-five verses in the New Testament has to do with the second coming of Jesus Christ. God wanted us to understand these things, and when you look at these things, particularly in the original languages, it's exceedingly clear. What, what God is telling us about the t- in terms of the timing uh, uh, of the return of Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to Him, but today there's so much confusion out there, and so and, and it always frustrated me because you know people know hey they know that there's not going to be this pre-tribulation rapture a lot of people, uh, and yet there were, I couldn't think of a single resource or book or DVD that really knocked it out of the park in terms of explaining to people what was really going to happen. Instead, you know, you've kind of got this end times industry, and there's they've made millions yeah. and millions of dollars on books and DVDs and everything else, but it's all saying there's going to be this pre-tribulation rapture. Well, I want well, to set the record. Let's hold it right there. We're, we're going to go to a break in a minute. So in, in the meantime... Uh, before we go to break, tell them where they can find a book, where they can find, tell them the, your website, okay? Yeah, the primary website I'm known for is the economiccollapseblog.com, or if you just go to Google and type in the economic collapse, it's the first result that comes up. My other primary website is endoftheamericandream.com, and on either site, if you go, there's huge banners on the site for the book, The Rapture Verdict. If you click on the banner, it'll take you right to amazon.com, where you can get the book in uh, paperback and in Kindle format. All right. Well, folks, that's the other website we were, ta- I were trying to remember, The End of the American Dream, and we'll be back with talking about the rapture break in three minutes. Dan will be right back. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold 
gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. ID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR 2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR 2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Dan Catlin, and you're listening to Messiah's Branch Prophecy Hour on the American Voice Radio Network. Well, folks, please remember to pray tonight for a donation for work with the homeless and poor from our mission church in Wichita, Kansas. And you know, I could go through the standard thing and read it to you, and but I just want to say this. You know, we're now in, we started in June, our 17th year of, of the Wichita Mission Church, and it's been a real thing of faith. You know, we help people from all walks of life. I say homeless and poor, but, you know, we have uh, people that listen to us on radio and things, and they, they'll drop in once in a while and ask for prayers. And, you know, we help a lot of people. I can't tell you everything that we do because uh, the list just goes on. I could be sitting here all night, and I don't like to ring my own bell. But, you know, like one of the prayers that, I'm, that we're really trying to, to get answered today, I know the Father's hands in it. I've been talking to you about the little girl that went to the hospital and, and uh, ended up having some kind of a reaction to what a treatment they gave her, and she ended up being paralyzed from her waist down. And so she went to another doctor because people want an update. 
she went to another doctor and the other doctor said, yeah, that they've heard of it before and that, that she needs to sue them, but they need her to go to a, to a place in Kansas City. Well, the still thing roadblock that stops her is, well, we found somebody to pay her first and last month's rent. Um, it's just finding a, pro, uh, a, a house for her to rent because um, they, you know, she gets rejected because she's had poor credit and all that. And so finding somebody to accept her has is, is been really tough. The longer that she takes um, with this problem, uh, the more, the worse it could get, you know, and it could even spread. So pray for her. I, I do really ask for you to pray for her and lift her up in prayer. But this is what we do. You, not only do we um, do we uh, um, give things to people, but we also, uh, you know, we also do counseling, you know, and and prayers. And it isn't just about food and clothing and first aid. But it's about things like that, ministering to people like that. And so uh, uh, pray for us. You know, we need your support to keep home uh, going. You know, we have no set guidelines. We don't have any programs. People just walk in the door and ask for what they need. That is the rule. And if we don't have what they need, we pray it in. This is why even the agencies tell all their employees about the Father's Little Mission Church. You see, when guidelines stop them from them from helping, they send people to us. People who have millions of dollars in their budget send people to a place that really has no budget. And folks, over the years, we've been able to help thousands upon thousands of people by your help. Then that's whether or not it was prayers, the gospels, Bibles, glasses, first aid, sewing somebody up, over-the-counter medications, shoes on their feet, all of these things, help with children. It's summertime now, and we have so many. We have people bringing children in. And that happens all summer long. And so pray for us, folks, because remember, we are responsible to care one for another, as we are our brother's keepers. All donations, no matter what size, helps. And the Father notices all donations that come from where? Your heart. You know, uh, and also pray about supporting radio airtime, because if you don't want to help the poor, if you're getting blessed by this program, pray about a donation for this radio program. You can donate online or by mail a check or money order, and you can find all that information at prophecyhour.com. That's prophecyhour.com. Or you can call me at 620-878-4682. And just one more little point before I bring our guest back on. If you have not um, listened to the program last week that we did with Philip Haney, who is a founding member of Homeland Security, I really think you should and get his book. It's called See something, say nothing. This man confirms all the Islamic things that people were saying were conspiracy theories about what Obama was doing to help the Islamists. Well, most of that's true, and this man can testify to that. Anyway, we're now back with Michael Snyder. Still there with me, Mike? I'm here, Pastor Dan, yes. Well, amen. We just got started talking about the rapture verdict, and we talked about the title. Verdict, though, you know, that verdict reminds me of you because, you know, you after all, you know, you were an attorney. Oh, it's very true, and so that kind of ties in. And, and that's how I kind of examined this issue, kind of as a lawyer was, because, you know, I don't have any denomination telling me what to think. I don't have any, 
you know, church telling me that I have to push a certain agenda, but I'm just, I was trained as an attorney, and so digging into these scriptures, I look at them as a lawyer would, and I say, okay, what what did, does the evidence really show? And so that's, you know, in my book, if people notice, there's just huge blocks of scripture, because I really try to just lay out the evidence for people to see, and not just tell people, you know, what I think, but really, you can go off of an evidence-based approach, and, and people really enjoy that, and, and the response to the book has been absolutely huge, but it's also turning out to probably be one of the most controversial Christian books of 2016, because people have either responded very, very positively, they absolutely love the book, or very negatively, because, you know, because my book is telling them there's not going to be a pre-tribulation rapture, and of course, that belief is held so strongly by so many in the uh, Western world um, today. Um, Well, if you go back 200 years ago, you know, uh, uh, basically in the British Isles, this this new doctrine came about, but for the first 1,800 years of Church history, pretty much everyone in the Church, all Christians, believed, yeah, we're going to go through everything, the Antichrist, the Mark of the Beast, and then at the very end, Jesus comes back. But about 200 years ago in the British Isles, this new doctrine came about, and there was this this young girl who, you know, who Margaret MacDonald, she had a, a vision uh, of this, but then she also had a vision that a certain British politician would be the Antichrist, and that didn't work out very well for her, so she didn't exactly have a good track record. But, you know, the new doctrine came about, it started to spread in the British Isles, eventually came to North America, and it started to spread, and today it's the dominant position in the Western world, and the churches in the Western world, even though nowhere in the Bible does it say there's going to be a pre-tribulation rapture? You can search cover to cover, and it's just not there. But, of course, most of us were raised believing this. I was. I was raised in a home that believed very strongly in a pre-tribulation rapture. Uh, all the churches we ever went to taught this. All the books, we, uh, the experts, the television shows, the movies, they all told us that there was going, going to be a pre-tribulation rapture. In fact, you know, this fits in very well with Happy Church the prosperity gospel that's being taught all over America today, where uh, people are being told, oh, God's going to bless you and bless you and bless you. And then the moment anything really bad starts happening, the moment any of these things in the book of Revelation starts happening, you're going to be pulled out of here. You're not going to have to deal with any of this. And so, you know, it's a kind of message that people like to hear. Unfortunately for them, the Bible says the exact opposite. The Bible says that the, there's not going to be a pre-tribulation rapture. And in my book, I very, very clearly show in 37 chapters that uh, Christians were going to have to go through all of the tribulation, all the things that it said, talks about in the book of Revelation, and then Jesus is going to come back at the very, very end. Uh, but uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, there, there's not a great understanding of this up to this point in, in the church in the Western world, but hopefully we can start to change things. Well, amen. Um, yeah, my, uh, my right after getting the book, you know, I read it, um, and my plan is I'm, I'm going to start passing it out to some different people because it is, you know, it is a dynamite book. But let's go with this. Um, you know, I liked it that you showed this, the scriptures that, um, the preacher rapture people try to use, and then you know you show them in their entirety, meaning that it seems that preacher rapture people just seem to pick a little bit of you know like a sentence or a half a sentence, you know what I mean, and base a whole doctrine on it. What do you think? 
Oh, I completely agree. So many of the arguments that they use, they'll pick a phrase out of a verse, but they won't even use the whole verse, you know, with the, or, you know, one verse out of an entire chapter and sur- ignore the rest of the chapter. When if you put these things back in context, which I did repeatedly in my book, you can see, well, that's not an argument for a pre-tribulation rapture at all. And so, and that that is what my book wanted to show: what the Bible really has to say about these things, and why it's important, Pastor Dan. Because in the past, you could say, "Well, you believe what you believe, I believe what I believe, and we'll agree to disagree, and it all work out in the end." But we're getting to the point where what we believe about these things is really going to matter. For one thing, today, the number one reason why Christians are not getting prepared for the challenging times that are coming—they're not storing up any food, any supplies, any money. They're not doing pretty much anything to prepare because they think, well, before anything really bad happens, I'm going to get pulled out of here. But even worse is the churches in the Western world are not preparing their people to face persecution. They're not being prepared to face the Antichrist, the mark of the beast, to make life or death decisions for Jesus Christ because they don't think they're going to have to face any of it. And in fact, once the mark of the beast comes eventually... And, you know, well, Christians might say, well, this can't be the mark of the beast, because we're supposed to be raptured before the mark of the beast comes. We're supposed to be out of here before this comes, so this can't be the mark of the beast. So I'm going to go ahead and take this so I can buy and sell and feed my family, because this can't be the mark of the beast. So there's going to be a tremendous amount of confusion. But even that's not the worst consequence, Pastor Dan, of this doctrine. To me, the most important thing is, I believe this was prophesied in Second Peter chapter 3, where uh, the Apostle Peter told us, in the last days, mockers will come. And why are the mockers coming? The mockers are coming, and they're going to say, uh, hey, where is this coming that we are promised? And so what we're going to have as we're moving into this time when global events are going to completely spiral out of control, the world's going to go crazy. And unbelievers are going to come to us, and they're going to say, you know, we're searching for answers. We don't know what's going on, uh, we, we, uh, but uh, you know what? Uh, you, all you Christians, you told us that when bad things were going to come, you all were going to be pulled out of here, and we were going to be left behind. They have to go through everything, and you were going to be gone, but you're still here. So they're going to come. They're going to point the finger at us, Pastor Dan, as, as the right. church in the Western world, and they're going to say, hey, we don't know what's going on, we don't have the answers, but we know you evangelical Christians sure don't have the answers, because you told us you were going to be gone, you were going to be raptured, and that didn't happen. So they're going to turn away from the gospel by the millions and the millions of believers, because the rapture doctrine is so close to their hearts, so close, so central to what they believe, they're going to say, well, there wasn't a rapture, it didn't happen. If that was a lie... Maybe everything else I was ever told about the Christian faith was a lie, too. So they could turn away from the faith by the mains as well. So really, you know, what we're looking at, Pastor Dan, is the fate of millions and potentially even billions of souls hanging the balance are at stake. And what we're telling them about the rapture, about the last days, about the book of Revelation really matters because if we tell them the wrong thing and it doesn't happen, we're going to lose all credibility. But if we teach them accurately and tell them the truth, we could be part of the greatest harvest of souls the world has ever seen. Yeah, amen. A couple of things. Number one, you know, um, I don't know whether it was the Middle East, but it was one of the persecuted churches that said that they wished the West would leave that doctrine at home because they had people dying. And, you know, they th- that thought were going to be raptured out, so to speak. But having said that, 
You know, people aren't snapping to uh, that, uh, in the West at least, that prophecy is happening in front of their eyes because of this reason. Do you, they see all these people being slaughtered and, they, and beheaded and all that, and they say, well, that can't be prophecy because if that was the book of Revelation, we would have already been gone out of here. So that we must not be where everybody's saying, where these people are saying that we're at, which is really pretty horrific. Um, let's go with this. You know, people are going to say, or they probably have said to you, Michael, well, he's going to, it's, the Bible says he's going to come as a thief in the night. They have that misunderstood. How so? Oh, very, very, very much. You know, uh, in fact, that scripture where it says the thief in the night, uh, immediately afterwards, you know, it, it's uh, in First Thessalonians, um, uh, you know, it talks about how uh, that the, the the day of the Lord is described as a thief in the night. But immediately after that, the Apostle Paul says, "But you brothers are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief." And and, and so uh, what he's basically saying there is, "Hey, yeah, it's going to come as a thief uh, in the night for unbelievers, but believers." devastation overtake you as a thief because you're in the light you know what's going on you can you, you can you should be able to understand these times and seasons in advance so yeah and I go over this extensively uh, in my book pastor Dan and then like I said I got 37 chapters but if I could I I would like to share just a couple nuggets for people so they can kind of understand the the approach of where I'm coming from would that be okay if I just share a couple nuggets from the book real quick yeah, amen. I was wondering when you was going to get to that. <laughs> Back to okay. Well, you know, I thought I was just about done with my research for the book. I thought I had a pretty good book, but then, you know, God has a way of humbling all of us, and he came and, and he impressed on me very, very strongly that there's something that I needed to look at, and it was in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I thought, well, what in the world could I possibly need to look at in 1 Corinthians chapter 15? Because I already had so much about it in the book. And so I immediately went, of course, to that famous uh, passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting in verse 51, where it says, Listen, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. Remember that, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised incorruptible, we shall be changed. For this corruptible will put on incorruption, this mortal will put on immortality. And so that's that famous scripture about the rapture, one of the most famous scriptures about the rapture. And I thought, well, is that what the Lord was trying to show me? And I'd already written about that. And I was like, but it was no, no, that's not what I was supposed to see. So I thought, well, what am I supposed to see? And so I started looking at the rest of the chapter. And the rest of the chapter, of course, is all about the resurrection of believers, the rapture, because that's the same thing. The rapture is, is when the resurrection of believers takes place. They're the exact same thing. Of course, those who believe in a pre-tribulation rapture don't like to admit that or talk about that because it opens up all kind of cans of worms. But So I got down and I started reading in verse 20. It says, But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came by man, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterward those who are Christ at his coming. Now that word coming there is the Greek word parousia, which is often translated as coming in your Bible. It can also be translated arrival or presence, or sometimes in the ancient Greek world as official visit. For example, when the Pope came to the United States last year, 
that would have been considered a parousia or an official visit. Someone very, very important was coming, and they were doing so in an official capacity. That's kind of the flavor of the word. But basically, that passage in 1 Corinthians 15 told us that uh, the rapture, the resurrection of believers, happens at the parousia. And so I thought, wow, that's very interesting, because that scripture tells us exactly when the rapture is going to be. It's going to be at the parousia, the official visit of Jesus Christ. And so I thought, that's interesting. So let me see if there's anywhere else in the scripture where that word is used. And I found that it's also used in probably the most famous rapture passage of all, First Corinthians, I'm sorry, First Thessalonians chapter 4, where it says, starting in verse 14, For if we believe that Jesus died and arose again, so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming parousia of the Lord will not precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet, there's that trumpet again, call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. So once again, the most famous rapture passage in the entire Bible, First Thessalonians chapter 4, once again, we see the timing of the rapture linked to the parousia, the coming, the official visit of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I thought, wow, that's interesting, because now we've got a pattern emerging here where we're being told multiple times that in, in Scripture that the rapture happens at the parousia. And we see this again, the exact same author, the Apostle Paul, in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, starting in verse 1, where it says, Now, brothers, Concerning the coming parousia, there's that same Greek word again, of our Lord Jesus Christ, and considering, concerning our gathering together unto him, the rapture, we ask you not to let your mind be quickly shaken or be troubled, neither in spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, coming as though from us, as if the day of Christ is already here. Do not let anyone deceive you in any way. Christians all over the rest of the world need to read that. Do not let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless a falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of destruction, the Antichrist, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called their God, God or his worship, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself as God. So in that passage, we're told once again, the rapture comes at the parousia, and we're told the three specific things that must come first. Number one, a great falling away. Number two, the revealing of the Antichrist, he comes on the scene. And number three, the Antichrist goes into the temple of God and, and basically setting himself up as God, the abomination of desolation talked about in other places of Scripture. All those things got to come first, and so I thought, wow, that's very interesting. But then that's not all. That word, Greek word is used again in verse 8, where it says, Then the lawless one will be revealed, the Antichrist, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his presence. That word presence there is, once again, the Greek word parousia. So Second Thessalonians 2, verse 8, tells us that uh, the final confrontation between Jesus and the Antichrist, when, the, when the, 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 the Jesus will defeat the Antichrist, comes, and that's at, also at the parousia. Now, when does that happen? Is that before the tribulation? Is that in the middle of the tribulation? No. That comes at the very end of the tribulation. Anyone that knows their Bibles knows that comes at the end of the book of Revelation. And the Apostle Paul says that's, that happens at the parousia, the, 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 the same period of time when the rapture will take place. 
And then the Lord Jesus himself talked about the parousia. A lot of people don't realize this. In Matthew chapter 24, where that famous chapter, where in verse 3, the disciples come to Jesus on the Mount of Olives, and they ask Jesus, and they, and they, they, say, they say to him, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming, there's that Greek word parousia again, and of the end of the age. So the disciples, the apostles, wanted to know when the parousia was going to be. And so through the rest of the chapter, Jesus talks about nation rising against nation, and famines and earthquakes. Then he talks about the abomination of desolation. And when you see that, those in Judea flee to the wilderness, where there will be a place of protection for three and a half years. And then he gets to verse 27, finally, and he addresses the timing of the parousia. He says, Jesus says, For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so will the coming parousia of the Son of Man. And then in verse 29, he describes the rapture, where he says, Immediately after the tribulation, those who believe in a pre-tribulation rapture need to read that about a thousand times, immediately (laughs) after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give us light, the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he'll send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, there's that trumpet again, and they, will, and they shall gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of the heavens to the other. So all throughout Scripture, Pastor Dan, if I could just summarize, we are told the rapture is at the parousia, and the parousia comes immediately after the tribulation. Amen. Okay, we only got a couple minutes, but let me say this. So parousia means, well, you said official visit, right, right. Okay, so official visit could also be the point in time, correct? Yes, Absolutely. And, and that opens up for something for what else that you put in your book. You know, folks, there's a lot of you out there are wondering, have been wondering on my radio program because we bring up the feast. This book will show you when the appointed times, how they work, well, rather the feast, how they work in all this. you got about a minute and a half if you want to kind of comment. Yeah, in my book I show how that as the spring festivals were filled literally to the day by the first coming of Jesus Christ, the fall festivals will be fulfilled literally to the day by the second coming of Jesus Christ. So I encourage everyone to go check out the book. It's on Amazon.com. You can get it in paperback. You can get it in Kindle format. And then if you read it and you have any questions, please contact me, because it's very important for all of us to, to wake up and start understanding these things. Well, Amen. And uh, and it is wonderful. I was really uh, happy that you put that in the book, and you really did well with the book because, you know, while you said you put a lot of Scripture in the book, you didn't overburden a lot of people with uh, – there's a lot of scri- other Scriptures that talk about, you know, no pre-trib rapture that talk about post-tribulation, so to speak, in the Bible, but you used the important ones that other people were trying to misuse. And so, it, folks, it's a real well-rounded book. You're not going to go, okay, I got, because a lot of people don't like to read scriptures. But, you know, it's a well-rounded book, and you're going to find out a lot of things. Well, Michael, thanks for being on. We'll see you on the watch, and uh, probably uh, seems like everywhere nowadays. So tell them where uh, they can find everything, where your blog's at, and then we'll have to go again. Yeah, my website I'm primarily known for is the Economic Collapse Blog uh, dot com. If you go just go to Google and type in Economic Collapse 
the first result that comes up. Are, and I also write on endoftheamericandream.com and on both websites. If you just scroll down and on the sides on the sides of the websites, there's huge banners for the Rapture Verdict. Just click on that. It'll take you directly to where you can get the new book. And please help me get this message out about that there's not going to be a pre-tribulation rapture and that we're going through the tribulation and, and the church needs to get ready for what's ahead because it uh, and, and and that's good news because it's going to be the greatest hour for the people of God. Yes, Amen. Okay, Mark. Uh, thanks for being on with me. I sure appreciate you and and uh, keep up the good work. Be blessed, brother. Bye bye. Thank you, Pastor Dan. Well, folks, that's Michael Snyder, the Economic Collapse Book uh, blog. The book is called The Rapture Verdict. And it's really a good book. Tell you about the feast too. Pray about supporting Wichita Mission Church. You know we're in the, we're in summer now, and we're in a summer slump. People are off on vacation. We have a drop in the number of people that listen to our program during the summertime, and that leads to less funds because that's how the mission church is funded by the folks that listen to radio out there. And we've been doing this for seven. We're in our seventeenth year now. But we must remember there is only one God. He is your Father. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. His son is Yeshua HaMashiach. He gave his life for repented sins. He rose after three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And through him, and only through him, is the way to the Father. Remember, always, always, always be a blessing to others. If you're not a blessing to others, how can you be saved? How can you have the Holy Spirit within you? Lord our God, Father, King of the universe, ask in Yeshua HaMashiach's name that the Father blesses and keeps you, and his face shines upon you, and is gracious to you and gives you peace like no one or nothing else can. Until an hour from now, this is Pastor Dan saying goodbye and shalom. You've just heard the Messiah's Branch broadcast featuring Pastor Dan. To contact Dan on the Internet, go to messiahsbranch.org. To write to Dan, send a note to Messiah's Branch, 230 West 4th Street, Florence, Kansas. 66851. Tune in next time for Messiah's Branch. Food prices going up, homes being foreclosed, unemployment insurance running out, jobs leaving the country. Many people cannot afford to eat or keep a roof over their head. Too many can do neither. Messiah's Branch has a mission church in Wichita, Kansas that helps the victims bankers economy the american people your neighbors the mission is the last hope for so many americans we need your help to lift up the poorest of the poor these are men women and children who once had homes now in the street they all need what you need first aid beds food clothing and so on you can send a monitor online by going to wichitahomeless.com or simply call 316-619-4886 316-619-4886 American Voice
Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. make the aspirin mistake. Aspirin was discovered by mistake during World War II and suppresses your immune system and prevents blood clotting. Don't expose your body to risk when you can use a natural inflammation and pain reliever called Extra Strength Pain Relief by Apothecary Herbs. Discover the power this formula has with Salicin to enter the system in 60 seconds to work hard and relieve pain for 12 hours. Whether it's arthritis, sports injury, or flu, you can relieve aches, pain, and swelling with our Extra Strength Pain Relief Formula. Call Apothecary Herbs now, toll-free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3 wsthepowerherbscom Pandemics will be a part of our future. The question is, how do we protect ourselves? Are you willing to put your trust in untested vaccine, hoping it kills mutating viruses? Remember, in 1976, health officials tried to inoculate Americans with swine flu, and there was a 300% death rate for those inoculated, and millions were paid out in damages. God gave you a sophisticated immune system, and in times of need, you can make it 10 times stronger. So there's no need to panic. Just get prepared. Call Apothecary Herbs to order your upgraded pandemic kit. You will have eight professional strength formulas offering broad-spectrum immune-boosting protection. Take a stand. Have a plan. Have peace and request your pandemic kit today. Call Apothecary Herbs toll-free, 866-229-3663, or online, thepowerherbs.com. That's 866-229-3663, or thepowerherbs.com. thought time herb provided strength. Indeed, the chemical compounds of thyme contain antioxidants, an effective germicide that kills whooping cough bacteria and makes breathing easier. Just imagine what you can do with thyme herb when it comes to respiratory ailments like croup, pneumonia, asthma, and sinusitis. The extra benefit of thyme herb is that it soothes the nerves and stops spasmodic coughing, so you can get some rest. Who says you don't have time to take care of yourself? Call Apothecary Herbs toll-free for time, tincture, and tea to soothe your cough and get some rest. 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International 704-875-8010 or online at thepowerherbs.com. One, two, three.
Live. I'm your resident herbalist, Wendy Wilson. Hope you had a great day. We're here to empower you here on Herb Talk Live. That's what we like to do. Yep, yep. Thanks for joining us here on the American Voice Radio Network. Magical engineer Frank and I have a great show. Yeah, we're going to be talking about a mystery nutrient that's going to help you heal faster. And boy, am I not loading up on that right now. And also, we're going to be talking about cancer and maybe some high cholesterol, how we can get avoid all that stuff, you know, because we have our ways, and that's what we're going to teach you. Yep, put the power back in your hands. That's what it's all about. All right, well, you know, <laughs> we have Father's Day this month. Are you all excited about that? Ah, well, you know, that's coming up sooner than you think, so I hope you're planning for it. <laughs> well, before we get to our quack report, big salute and Semper Fi to our righteous men and women in uniform. I'm, as you know, lifting them up in prayer each and every day. I'm lifting this nation up. I'm lifting wisdom and discernment up for every American because we're going to need it, you know, to be unified, to get back on course, have some sort of common sense and some morality of this, you know, this, I mean, we, we've got too much going on, as you know, and too many arguments going on and too much division. And so we need God to unify this nation under his way. So I'm hitting the knees, seeking the Lord's face, mining the time because it's growing short. And I'm asking for his help and guidance in his hand. You know, I asked for his um, hedges, his warring angels, his shields and encampment to be around us and keep us safe. You know, hide us under the shadow of his wings, the air shield and buckler. So, uh, you know, when you start praying with the Lord and using his words, they don't come back void. That's be a promise and not my promise. Okay. And God can't lie. So mind the time, it grows short. And without further ado, let's do the quack report. Thank you, Frank. Let's see. First up, uh, let's see. Aspartame. Um, they say it's hidden in the uh, Schedule Two narcotics. Did you know that? Uh, Schedule Two narcotics. Um, uh, they have the menthol and aspartame, and it's in the narcotics, but it affects the dopamine level in your brain, and it makes you addicted. Sort of like, you know, tobacco laced with what? Nicotine? Uh, well, uh, it's a, menthol is a wood alcohol. It's classified as a metabolic poison. So aspartame does not really occur naturally. It's uh, manufactured. Um, so if it's consumed, it gets broken down into by the digestive system into amino acids, two of them, um, and the type of alcohol that's known as menthol, um, these amino acids kind of, you know, mess with your dopamine levels. So uh, Schedule II substances have high abuse already, severe psychological and physiological dependency. Um, and uh, so it's, uh, it's, it's, it's narcotics, amphetamines, barbiturates, it's all in that classification, and three-quarters of reported adverse reactions to food additives are attributed to aspartame. So let's just put it in the drugs, too. That's, I guess, the thinking. I don't know. Last but not least in the quack report, Canada has approved a modified, genetically modified salmon for sale. Say it's safe. They checked it out. Yep, Canadian government has made that controversial and alarming decision. Uh, to uh, serve up in uh, stores a genetically modified, uh, modified salmon. It's, a, you know, farm-raised. And uh, Health Canada and the Canadian Food Inspection Agency 
made this announcement at a conference in Ottawa saying that Aqua Bounty's GM modified salmon has been approved for sale as a food. You, uh, FDA has already approved it. They approved it back in 2010 before all this rigorous scientific review had been completed. What's up with that, right? So um, in 2015, the FDA uh, agency now decided, you know, it's totally safe for human consumption since, um, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's been tested by Canada. Um, now, there's been some problem with Aqua Bounty. Uh, they've been uh, kind of questioned uh, for releasing by accident, we're told, some of the GM fish into the wild. So um, Executive Director of Food and Water Europe said that the FDA has always assured the public that it's checking, monitoring, regulating Aqua Bounty's production platform to ensure that the company can um, well document their environmental impact, such as escaped salmon, GM salmon, uh, so they know that Aqua Bounty is really unwilling or unable to follow even basic rules and regulations, and the FDA unable or unwilling to enforce them. So uh, it's all been, you know, let us reassure you uh, we're on the case, and they're not. It's, you know, right up there with the Ghostbuster team. And that wraps the crack report. Well, you know, it's it's becoming evident in the big picture, you know, and it's, it's just going to snowball. When you start messing with God's copyright on food, you know, when you start, you know, usurping that, well, then you're going to have problems. You will. It's inevitable. Because God made everything perfect the first time in creation, see? So, yeah. All right, we're going to be talking about your mystery nutrient that's going to help you heal faster. So if, if there was a nutrient, let me pose this question. If there was a nutrient that you could take to help your body to heal more quickly, would you take it? Uh, what if this mystery nutrient was one of the basic elements already found in your body, accounting for about 1% of your body mass? Hmm. So how can a nutrient with such a low body mass signature help you to heal? Well, is this basic health information, you know, if we've just forgotten this stuff? Yes, we have. Now, let me just say, if oxygen and carbon and hydrogen and nitrogen and calcium and phosphorus, those are the six all-star elements, kind of makes up 99% of your body mass. So what health benefits could we be missing in the 1%? Let's check it out. Because uh, this 1% can really tip the scales in your favor. Uh, the mystery nutrient I'm referring to is sulfur. Uh, one of the reasons it is so valuable to the body is that it helps you heal faster and moves toxins out of the body. So sulfur binds to your antioxidants, such as your glutathione, to make the antioxidant more effective. So in 1992, the Annals of Pharma a co-therapy reported that sulfur helps protect us from radiation and ultraviolet rays of the sun, x-rays even, and amphetamines. And I would think it would also protect you from various forms of radiation and even tanning beds, for instance. Well, let's look at some of the heavy metals because 
One of the benefits we're told that we can gain from organic sulfur is it protects us against heavy metals such as aluminum. So what it does is it binds to the aluminum to remove it from the system. And scientific research has seen a correlation between aluminum and the rise in the conditions of Alzheimer's disease and cognitive issues such as children and young adults with ADD or ADHD, which is your attention deficit disorder stuff. Well, you know, sulfur's not done with its benefits. Now, the, according to the EU's AccuCell Disorders a Journal, January 2016, uh, and their online post, they stated that sulfur has an important part to play in protecting you from heart disease. So Dr. Stephanie Seneff of MIT reports that having a shortage of sulfur in your body produces a molecule called cholesterol sulfate. And without sulfur, this molecule in the blood will fluctuate, and it creates an unstable environment that can invite heart disease. Um, and also, sulfur has a lot to do with your skin. Um, you probably have seen all the TV commercials uh, by pharmaceutical drug companies for the treatment of inflammatory skin conditions. You know, they've got drugs for dermatitis and acne and rosacea and so forth. Uh, but none of those drugs actually address the cause, which seems to point to a mineral imbalance of sulfur. And then um, sulfur also uh, is going to protect us from uh, being overweight. Yep, in 2011, the Western Price Foundation considered the possibility that the lack of adequate sulfur could be pushing up the obesity rates in the United States. They reported that Greece, Italy, and Japan do not have the heart disease and obesity problems the United States has, plus their population seems to live longer. So an interesting correlation was that on the west coast of the, of the United States, um, states like Hawaii and Oregon have more volcanic activity and more sulfur. And they also have the lowest rates of obesity in the entire United States. So the highest rates of obesity in the U.S. were the regions with the lowest sulfur, which would be the Midwest, where you have a lot of agriculture. And this is a prime business. So there's low, low sulfur in the soil because it's overworked. And highly processed foods are essentially sulfur deficient. And Dr. Seneff of MIT says this. She says, a diet that's high in the grains like bread and cereal is likely to be deficient in sulfur. Increasingly whole foods uh, such as corn and soybeans are disassembled into component parts with chemical names and then reassembled into heavily processed foods. So the sulfur is lost along the way. So it's this awareness of this nutrition that's really going to matter. So she says, uh, you know, this loss matters really big time, chemically speaking, in a metabolism level kind of thing. So we ought to remember that. So let's look at some food sources because we have plenty of food uh, sources that contain organic sulfur that aren't processed, like your cabbage and your broccoli and your leafy green vegetables, collard greens, kale, grass-fed meat. Uh, nuts, salmon, 
preferably non-genetically modified stuff. Uh, no GM. Uh, wheat germ and eggs all will have your natural sulfur in them. So these foods contain the sulfur the body uses for healing in the form of glucosolionate. And research suggests that if we harvest our foods from our family garden, we shouldn't cook them immediately. Just let them rest for several minutes before you start to cook them. This will avoid the formation of um, rosinous enzymes. Um, and what it does is those enzymes can diminish the sulfur nutrition. So you just want to let your crop, after you've picked it, rest a little bit, and then uh, you can cook it or eat it raw, whichever you prefer. Now, researchers at MIT are studying the significance of sulfur, and they also warn us to avoid water softening systems because there is a higher incidence of heart disease in people who drink the softened water compared to the more sulfur that's in your hard water. So be aware of that. I know a lot of people down in Florida, they have those systems, uh, water softening systems. So um, I think that's great for the shower and the toilet, but, you know, maybe not for drinking. All right, let's look at some other high-sulfur foods. The Science Direct Journal in 2011 reported that foods such as garlic and onion have superior organic sulfur compounds and to also protect you from infections and internal medicine diseases such as cancer. So the, also the Saudi Pharmaceutical Journal said that the, in the Middle East and Asian and Mediterranean countries, they use these foods for, as a natural antibiotic-like benefit, and they're very effective. Yep, that's your poor man's antibiotic, the garlic. And onion is cousin to the garlic. All right, let's look at some, what happens when you have a sulfur deficiency. Well, a deficiency in your organic sulfur can lead to inflammatory-type diseases, pain, wrinkles in your skin, and health problems involving your muscles and bones. So without adequate sulfur, we can have metabolic imbalance. It can cause us even to have insulin and hormone issues. So without sulfur, our body can't metabolize carbohydrates and utilize sugar properly for fuel for our muscle cells. So sulfur is the third most important mineral in the human body. And you're going to find sulfur in all living tissues and plants, which indicates it's necessary for life. And you must replenish your sulfur. Uh, it does not, uh, the body doesn't manufacture its own, so you have to get it from your diet. Well, let's real quick look at a few herbs that have sulfur. Um, you're going to find organic sulfur in dandelion root, black pepper, your garlic and onion, as we mentioned, chlorella, turmeric, burdock root, mustard, eyebright, horseradish, parsley, chives, catnip, fennel, spinach, echinacea root, ginseng, and your cayenne peppers. So you're going to find, you know, the sulfur your system really needs and food sources um, that we've just mentioned in this segment and also, uh, you'll find these herbs that we just mentioned in the herbal formulas that the folks at Apothecary Herbs manufacture. Uh, you want to look for their immune-boosting formula. They have echinacea root formulas there. They have the echinacea deluxe, the adult and children's echinacea, and the immune booster also has garlic in it. And the all-in-one tonic is a garlic onion. Um, it's full of sulfur compounds. It's just great. Um, now, they do have the dandelion root. Their heart formulas have the sulfur herbs. 
their circulation formula, the herbal eyewash. They do have some um, rubs, arthritis rub, for instance, will have sulfur compounds there, and uh, their sports rub as well. Then there's the brain concentrate, the blood cleanse, the skin poultice, the liver cleanse, the bowel cleanse, the body food mix, the fennel tincture, the prostate kit, the kidney bladder cleanse kit, the emotional stress formula, goodness, and the liver gallbladder tincture and tension headache formulas. Can you just see how much natural sulfur you can get when you do your cleansing, immune boosting, um, you know, balancing your emotions with emotional stress? I mean... It's an amazing thing, the chemistry God put together in a lot of these plants. You get multiple, multiple benefits. So you wouldn't really have to worry about taking a sulfur supplement when you do uh, the diet and your herbs. you got the bases covered pretty much. So if you're interested in uh, picking up some sulfur compound, you know, herb, organic, whole food supplements, give the folks at Apothecary Herbs a call or ask for a free product catalog. The number is toll free at 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. Or visit them online at thepowerherbs.com. Thepowerherbs.com. That's where your healthcare options just became endless. It puts the power back in your hands. Yes, it does. Um, don't forget they have uh, money-saving coupons on their webpage there. If you don't have access to the Internet, when you call, you can ask about the coupons. All right. We got a few minutes before we have to take a break. So we're going to jump in here and talk about cholesterol. Who needs that? Well, we need cholesterol. The body, uh, the brain, every cell in the body uses it. So you don't want to d- diminish all your cholesterol because then what happens is you literally fall apart. Your cells just crumble. So we want healthy cholesterol levels. That's what we want. Uh, About 34.5 million Americans say they have high cholesterol. Doctor said so. Um, Cholesterol, they say, is so out of control in the United States. um, The problem starts now when people are 20 years of age. Yep. And uh, they say it's because, you know, lifestyle. Lifestyle pretty much is telling you, you know, why your cholesterol is high, and I would say a big chunk of that is true, cholesterol. But let's look at the damage cholesterol can do when you don't have a good balance of the healthy uh, cholesterol. Without correcting lifestyle, uh, if you get a lot of fatty plaque coating arteries, it causes arterial sclerosis, can prevent blood flow, um, can diminish circulation in your extremities, can create clots a risk, embolisms, uh, strokes. Uh, so they ca- the body just becomes really weak in this situation and uh, increased risk also of heart attack, as you would imagine. So then what do the people do? They go to their doctor and their doctor throws them on the statin drugs. Let's take a look at the statin drugs. The usual course of treatment, um, doctors get out their prescription pad and they write a prescription for one of the statin drugs. Mevacor, Lexacol, Prevacol, Zocor, Lipitor, any, any one of those, okay? And these drugs are designed to lower the LDL cholesterol levels, you know, slowing down that production of cholesterol that can create uh, a problem. And it also increases the liver's ability to remove, supposedly, the LDL cholesterol. Um, a concern with the treatment is that the drugs force your liver to function at a higher rate than normal with regard to the cholesterol. So um, 
you know, it wants it to filter out more of the fat from the blood. And the majority of the high cholesterol patients have uh, liver function issues. Their liver begins to fail below the 50th percentile. And that's why you have to have your blood drawn and they check your liver profiles to make sure that your enzymes in your liver look normal. But the problem is when the liver enzymes start to look abnormal, then damage is already being done to the liver. And that's why they zip you off of that drug and give you another one. So the drugs force the organ to perform uh, over and above what it can, and it eventually weakens and fails the organ, your liver. Uh, so this is why physicians do those liver profiles on a regular basis. I say, why risk the liver? There's another way to do this, and we're going to get to that. All right, so let's look at the liver for a second. Um, this organ has a lot of jobs to do, uh, wears a lot of hats, okay? The liver accepts toxins from the blood. It has to filter out these toxins by producing enzymes. Um, the big one is called P450. Uh, without your liver, you would actually um, die from breathing polluted air uh, or drinking you know, polluted water. Um, having an adult beverage probably kill you. And uh, smoking, of course, and eating contaminated food or taking an antibiotic probably kill you if your liver wasn't working. So on top of this job, your liver also has to manage your blood sugar levels. That's working hand-in-hand hand with the pancreas. It has to regulate hormone levels with your endocrine system. Um, and, you know, and, and it's also got to help uh, regulate the cholesterol. So sugar, hormones, cholesterol, uh, and keep you from dying from poison. That's a lot of big jobs to do. So when the liver is down, um, not functioning at 100%, it starts to drop some of those jobs. And one of the jobs that it will drop is the cholesterol. Your cholesterol start creeping up. Um, I love this quote from Winston Churchill. He said, the Americans will always do the right thing after they've exhausted all the alternatives. Well, isn't that how we do? Yeah, usually. I think that's how it goes. <laughs> well, how can we help the liver? Well, there's a lot we can do. Um, you want to strengthen that liver. You want to help it to heal and function normally without you know, the risk of other toxicity to it. I always like to start um, with milk thistle because it's got this lovely antioxidant, silomarin, that helps the liver cells replace uh, sick and dying cells with healthy new ones. And the liver's uh, one of those organs that regenerates quickly, or it should if we're doing our job. So um, sometimes you can work with the liver and the gallbladder at the same time. If you still have your gallbladder, if you have stones, you can do a liver gallbladder flush and uh, clean both those organs at the same time. Um, so uh, if you think you have gallstones, that's the way I would approach it is to do a flush. Now, you can you can find the liver gallbladder uh, flush products on thepowerbs.com under the organ cleanse section or in the catalog under organ cleansing. Uh, if you do not have gallstones, then you can certainly just use milk thistle to kind of pamper the liver a little bit, or you can use the step-down cleanse, uh, which is the liver gallbladder cleanse and liver detox tea, which is amazing. That liver detox tea, I drink it because it tastes good. Um, it's got cinnamon in it, and it's got some really great herbs, and it does a lovely job at perking up the liver. I also have heard from customers that they lose weight when they do that, too, and without even doing anything else, but just drinking the tea. 
So it's a plus right there. Um, so milk thistle, uh, great herb. The herb I used to get rid of the gallstones is the barberry bark. Excellent uh, to cleanse the, the gallbladder that can be full of mucus and all kinds of nonsense. And um, like I said, if you don't want to do the flush, you can do the step down with the with the uh, liver detox tea and the other tincture, the liver gallbladder tincture. So they're, they're all there on the powerherbs.com website. And also, don't forget, garlic's very good for the cardiovascular system. It's a natural blood thinner, but you do not want to use that if you're already on prescription blood thinners. And I like hawthorn berry because it helps with the fibrinogen protein in the blood to keep it from clotting. So if you tend to have that clotting problem, uh, hawthorn berry works better than the rat poison. Um, and then, of course, your little bit of habanero cayenne for balance and blood pressure. So you, you've got some tools here that really can help balance the system and strengthen it, and that's the key. You don't want to be on herbs either for the rest of your life. That's not what you're going to be doing. If you're strengthening a system, you're not going to be on them the rest of your life like you would be drugs because drugs don't strengthen anything. No, 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 they don't. So uh, check it out to the cardiovascular section too, to powerherbs.com. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. Herbalist Wendy Wilson will be right back. Everyone is afraid of pain. No one wants pain to rule over their life. And you don't want the negative side effects of aspirin, ibuprofen, or prescription drugs. They can lower immunity and cause dependency. Is there a safe alternative? I'm Herbalist Wendy Wilson. And I prefer willow bark and meadowsweet herbs to control pain, fever, aches, and inflammation. God's herbs are good, and you won't be disappointed. Call Apothecary Herbs for pain or extra strength pain relief formula, toll-free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International, 704-875-8010 or online, thepowerherbs.com. tall buildings with a single bound? Faster than a locomotive? Whoa! Find the Superman in you! Listen to Herb Talk Live with herbalist Wendy Wilson. Is your 
PSA count high? Half of all men over 50 have an enlarged prostate. You can shrink your prostate without harmful drugs or risky surgery. The secret to healing the prostate is to cleanse the prostate and the liver. Call Apothecary Herbs to ask about the Prostate Kit for a comprehensive way to heal and soothe your prostate. Educate yourself on how easy it can be to disinfect, cleanse, and restore your prostate gland. Call Apothecary Herbs for the Prostate Kit and successfully reduce swelling, inflammation, dissolve stones, and cleanse the blood to obtain the results you need. Money-back guarantee with every purchase. Call the experts in organ cleansing. Call Apothecary Herbs now for the Prostate Kit and empower yourself. Toll-free, 866-229-3663. For international callers, 704-875-8010. That's toll-free, 866-229-3663. Or visit the web at thepowerherbs.com. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Financial obligations or relationship problems have you feeling stressed out? When life is too much to handle, use Apothecary Herbs Emotional Stress Formula. Feel calm and more in control with herbs especially combined to provide the organic nutrition your system needs to help you cope. Complete instructions for maximum benefit and a money-back guarantee. You've waited long enough. Call Apothecary Herbs now. Toll-free 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3w.thepowerherbs.com. pancakes a little bit. Uh, don't like them when they have like lead sinkers though. Mm. No, no, no. I like a light breakfast. <laughs> but you know, sometimes banana pancakes can kind of taste like banana bread, you know? Anyway, um, we're going to shift gears and we're going to be talking about cancer. We're gonna, specifically, we're going to hit on this a topic of stomach cancer. Uh, we don't hear so much about stomach cancer these days. 
Uh, but people who get diagnosed with it, they have a real challenge on their hands. Uh, there are some famous people that had died from stomach cancer. John Wayne, for instance, in 1979. Napoleon Bonaparte was said to die from stomach cancer in 1821. However, uh, new evidence shows that his private wine collection was poisoned with arsenic, suggesting he may have been poisoned instead. Uh, other famous people that have died uh, from stomach cancer are the poet James Baldwin in 1987, the lawyer Patrick Henry in 1799, Fred Rogers in 2003, film producer John Ford, and uh, clothes designer Liz Claiborne. So also, don't forget, DeForest Kelly from Star Trek died of stomach cancer in 1999. So we have like 76,000 Americans right now living with stomach cancer, and uh, if they don't follow their doctor's advice, they're told that 30% will not survive within five years. Hmm. Well, let's look at some of the statistics and the risk to the specific disease. According to the American Cancer Society, about 24,590 men and women get the diagnosis uh, each year that they have stomach cancer. Uh, more men than women get this disease, and usually it occurs later in life after the age of 65 with an average age of about 69. So the average age at death from stomach cancer is 72. So the risk we take from getting stomach cancer is 1 in 111. But obviously, you know, if you're going to follow your doctor's advice, if you're 69, get a diagnosis, follow his advice, you'll be dead at 72. So this particular disease is higher in certain ethnic groups like Hispanics, Blacks, and Asians. Uh, patients who have a precursor condition of stomach ulcers have, and have been treated with, uh, for that surgically, maybe they've had a stomach recession, their risk is increased to get cancer of the stomach. Now, for some reason, people with blood type A are at a greater risk of getting this disease. So if the family tree has cancer in it, or if there are conditions such as stomach polyps, um, the risk increases, okay? So, and where you live could also be an indicator. According to the American Cancer Society, your risk increases depending where you live. If you live in less developed countries, we're told the risk is higher. Now, statistically, the risk is getting, of getting stomach cancer increases in these regions, Japan, China, South or Eastern Europe, and South and Central America. We find less stomach cancer in Northern and Western Africa, South Central Asia, and North America. So, you know, it's not as prevalent here as in other areas. And also where you work may have, it, have a, something to do with it. The American Cancer Society also says there's a connection between an increased incidence in stomach cancer and the type of occupation patients have. For instance, the risk is higher for getting stomach cancer if you work in the following industries, coal, metal, and rubber. Hmm. Well, let's look at the infection uh, that you may get with the cancer. We're told that stomach cancer stems from a bacterial infection. They call it the pylori H. pylon, Helicobacter, um, 
uh, kind of like an infection, bacterial infection. People who eat a diet that's rich in smoked meats, uh, salty fish, and pickled vegetables create an environment where this bacteria likes to thrive. So tobacco use can also increase the risk as well as being overweight. Having stomach cancer can lead to a secondary condition as, uh, such as anemia, uh, changes in the stomach lining, which is called menetier disease. So how does it get started? Well, the stomach wall is comprised of three layers of tissue. There's the mucosal, which is the innermost layer. There's the muscularis middle layer, and then there's the uh, cercosal outer layer, okay? So stomach cancer attacks the innermost mucosal layer and likes to spread to the outer layers. So modern medicine thinks, you know, it knows that, um, modern medicine knows that it would make the cells of the stomach lining develop into these cancer cells and spreads out. And in some cases, uh, patients experience conditions um, like it, they get gastritis, the glands of the stomach reduce um, their ability to eliminate. Um, the, the, they have an uh, inflammation and uh, kind of just, you know, snowballs from there uh, with the disease and the symptoms. And of course, you know, anemia comes in where you just don't feel like eating. But uh, they say the immune system also can be reactive, and uh, they think an autoimmune situation is imminent. Some research suggests that some subtypes of the bacteria can chemically react to foods like um, and affect the DNA of the stomach cell. So um, they're still researching that, but they have noticed that some foods like fruits and vegetables with lots of antioxidants help prevent the cancer blocks the mutation. So, and usually that's the way it is with most forms of cancer. The patients who get it don't eat enough fresh fruits and vegetables. They're eating too many processed foods or they're grabbing stuff on the go, and they're just not getting those whole food live enzymes. So diet is the key, and you probably notice that stomach cancer starts with the inner layers. This suggests that it's more um, not a topical contact infection, but it's mostly system-wide, you know, from the inside. So there is this lack of proper nutrition, and it's almost like the person is malnourished, and, and the lining starts to break down in the stomach. So the foods can, uh, that can block or reverse the condition should be part of the daily diet for sure. Serving each evening, protecting the pH of the digestive system is another way to go to help protect the stomach lining and the cell's integrity and the DNA. So your fruits and vegetables will do that if you get 80% of the diet saturated with organic fruits and vegetables. So load up on the fiber, okay? Raw foods are required as cooking will reduce the enzyme nutrition and changes the organic matter into inorganic matter. So try to go raw if you can. Nuts, seeds, whole grains, legumes will also help protect the pH while you provide the nutrition, the antioxidants, and the natural vitamin E the body is starving for. See, that's what it is. Medicine is your food. Hippocrates said that. This is so true. So here's the veggie list. You want to load up on things like asparagus and sprouts and beets, bell pepper, Brussels sprouts, cabbage, carrots, celery, collards, cucumbers, eggplant, 
kale, kelp, seaweed, mustard greens, onions, parsley, radishes, squash, tomatoes, spinach, and yams. Now, according to the cancer research, these foods will detoxify the inodols and sulfophane and all these compounds that uh, help reverse the cancer. Okay? So that's, what, that's why you eat those foods. On your fruits list, they recommend that you eat all the berries, apples, apricots, avocados, bananas, currants, dates, figs, grapefruit, grapes, kiwis, lemon, lime, mangoes, melons, olives, oranges, peaches, pears, pineapple, and raisins. And, of course, we do have an herbs list. Of course, this is Herb Talk Live. We would be negligent if we didn't have the list of herbs. So the herbs I would include are your ginger, horseradish, fennel, gentian root, dandelion root, alfalfa, spirulina, rosemary, green tea, garlic, and cayenne. So these nutrients are the herbs that help to balance pH, neutralize the carcinogens, and the tumor growth while protecting your cell DNA from damage. Uh, if you got pain, throw in the willow bark and meadowsweet to reduce that as well as the inflammation. So that's the way to go. And by the way, we mentioned cholesterol. Alfalfa reduces cholesterol in the blood, so don't neglect to have some of that. Alfalfa you'll find in the body food mix at thepowerherbs.com. All right, uh, here's a spotlight I want to mention real quick. Uh, I want to take a moment to um, highlight one of the herbs we just mentioned for the digestive issues. Uh, Most of the research suggests that stomach cancer spiked around the 1970s. And prior to the 70s, people would have a drink with vermouth in it about 30 minutes before an evening meal. So the vermouth helped to prepare the stomach with digestive enzymes to improve digestion and prevent overeating. Vermouth is made from gentian root, which we just mentioned. And it has been a superb digestive aid for hundreds, if not thousands of years. So gentian root has this bitter alkaloid in it, which strengthens the digestive system. So the root itself is able to store vast amounts of oxygen, which influences the bitterness of the root, and it gives the herb its powerful action. So for hundreds of years, gentian root has been known for its revitalizing ability, strengthening ability of the digestive system, specifically the stomach. It gives patients strength when they're physically exhausted. So research shows that gentian root also tones the liver. So just imagine what you can do when you add the dandelion root with its anti-cancer compounds, uh, maybe some uh, alfalfa with its nitrolocide, which is another anti-cancer uh, nutrient. Uh, You've got a lot of cancer-fighting compounds working for you here. And, uh, and reversing the cancer, see? And you don't have to go to an oncology clinic or a special place out in the Midwest or, you know, get little heart-shaped stickers and say, we, we love you and we're going to take care of your very special cancer. You know how to do this. Just don't wait too long, you know. People wait until the 11th hour. And then, you know, really difficult to deal with it. Um, So really it's about strengthening, balancing, and recovering. That's 
what it's about. And you can do it with your diet. You can do it with your herbs. You can do it with your medicinal herbs. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. Now, weak systems, uh, if you have a lot of low stamina, uh, I tell people, add your uh, American ginseng. It really gives you stamina, uh, especially on um, a, low he- uh, a long healing process. If you're coming off a long convalescence especially, get your ginseng going. It will give you stamina, okay? Uh, toxic drugs, radiation, chemotherapy, evasive surgery, they're all going to weaken a body, okay? They're not going to strengthen it. So these therapies, although they're legal and popular and expensive, um, they're only, only about symptom reduction treatments, and they're temporary. That's it. And people have really, I think, lost faith in the body's ability to regenerate and heal itself. I think we've gotten away from very basic health and nutrition guidelines. Um, because, you know, th- that doesn't make anybody rich. That's why, you know. And this is what happened to the Greek physicians. They were so good at teaching people how to stay healthy that they were out of a job, you know. So you have the power. God said herbs are here for the service of man. He didn't expect you to rely on a pharmaceutical industry to be healthy, which you wouldn't be. So I, I encourage everybody to do their homework before they, you know, decide what course of treatment they're going to take. And if you really do your diligence on your homework, you'll find that chemotherapy will kill your original cancer type of cancer, but it'll give you a secondary cancer, more difficult to get rid of within two years. So if if you look, I mean, there's you know, people, whistleblowers telling you, this is what the research really says. So you can check that out online. If you do your due diligence, you can find all that good stuff. Now, um, you want to get those organic foods in there, powerful herbs as well. These are going to be the building blocks of nutrition to afford a sick body the ability to eliminate toxins and the disease. And this is what a healing really is. It's a cure. It's not just symptom reduction, which is really what remission is. It's not a cure. Remission's not a cure. It's just, you know, your symptoms are less, lessened. Um, so that's the medical definition of a cure is when you have no more symptoms and you are fully restored. You're back to your original health state before you got sick. That's what a cure is. So if, if I personally had stomach cancer, I would use the gentian root, the dandelion root, the willow bark and meadow sweet, the ginger root, the horseradish root, onion, garlic, fennel seed, peppermint, spirulina, alfalfa, and all those herbs you're going to find at thepowerherbs.com. Yes, you are. If you have trouble finding something, just give them a call between 9 a.m. and 5 p.m., and they will assist you. Uh, or you can, if you're calling after hours, um, the call center can help with some things. Uh, they can't answer specific questions, but they can try to find those products for you as well. Uh, or just, you know, drop me an email, and I'll show you where – I'll send you the hot links to the products. Uh, but give a call. Get a catalog. Uh, 866-229-3663 is the toll-free, 866-229-3663. Or if you're outside the U.S., dial 704-885-0277. Or visit them online at thepowerherbs.com. All right, we got a few minutes. I'm going to talk about junk food. You want to stay away from that? You know that already. But 
some some people are just, you know, junk food junkies. They just like to have their junk food. And the problem is, is if you make it all the time a junk food fest. Um, some health reports are suggesting junk food consists of a third of the American diet, and at least a quarter of the junk food calories are considered empty calories. So eating healthy and controlling weight is harder when you got junk food in the diet. So the CDC is reporting that over the last six years, Eating out a lot is also going to take its toll because um, they serve you those mega-sized food portions. You just overeat. Um, take some gentian root with you so you don't do that. Um, the overall message is, you know, uh, eat no junk food and eat less food if you want to steer clear of health problems. And, by the way, when you eat nutrient-rich foods, you're satisfied and you eat less volume and you naturally will lose weight. That's how it works. All right, so what we have, though, is a nutrient-poor America. So the number one source of empty calories in the nation is soda. If soda is in the diet, it accounts for almost uh, a little over 7% of your calories. So if you lump the soda in with your sweetie, sweet, your desserts, even your adult beverages, alcohol, that a percentage is almost 24% of your uh, calories consumed. Another thing is the salty snacks, the fruit-flavored drinks, not actual fruit juice, and this adds another 5%. So the kicker is that all these foods are highly concentrated calories, and you don't have to eat much of them in order to max out your daily allowance for calories. So one large national study that was done from 1999 to 2000 found that children and adults, they reported 30% of their diet was candy table sugar, sweetened drinks, baked and dairy desserts, salty snacks, fatty foods like gravy and butter, you know, Bojangles, biscuit time, that kind of thing. So most don't realize that desserts and table sweeteners by themselves are 25% of your total calories. Junk food eaters on average eat foods and leave them really nutrient poor, you know. They have a deficit of vitamin A, B6, folate, calcium, magnesium, iron, and zinc, which leads you to a low immune system, frequent illnesses, long-term health problems, and things like, you know, cancer and heart disease. So junk food, not good. That's the moral right there. Uh, and let's say you get a snack attack. Oh, yeah, I want some potato chips, corn chips, cheese doodles, some of these foods, you know, high in saturated fat, people who snack on these items will eat very little fruit and vegetable calories. They substitute the fruit and vegetables for those snacks. Even the fat-free versions have really too many calories compared to a natural snack like an orange or an apple. So these processed sodium-rich snacks are also going to put an average consumer over their sodium limit, and you can start to change the way you eat. And by the way, processed salt is very bad sun-dried salt, healthy. Two different things. Uh, if you want to know the difference in salt, check out the salt section at thepowerherbs.com. So switching off junk food can be a challenge, but you can do some subtle weaning 
uh, to work your way f- away from the junk food onto something else instead of just going cold turkey. Uh, there are some herbs that junk food eaters can use to hedge their bets to healthy switchovers. Um, I like to use the organic sun-dried Celtic sea salt because it removes the sweet craving. Okay, if you have a sweet tooth, you want to use that salt. It does not promote hypertension. All right, and then again, you want to use your gentian root so you don't overeat. Improves digestion. If you tend to get gassy or bloated, fennel seed for that. Um, if you tend to get um, constipation or diarrhea, we have herbs to help you with that in a skinny minute, and you won't have to mess with those problems either. So you can regulate the digestion as you switch over in the diet. Not a problem. So you can get away from those junk foods and overcooked processed foods and switch over to more of a live, live enzyme healthy food diet. Um, and by the way, it's summertime, so people are going to be grilling. You just want to limit your um, charred meats or your deep fried meats because uh, a diet that gets a lot of that, uh, your risk of cancer goes up, okay? So um, you want to be – also it helps uh, to lower the immune system, so you don't want to – do that either. So watch how much you're eating off the grill, uh, the charred meats, or the fried stuff. Don't overdo that. So I know a lot of you guys out there are king of the grill, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, just, you know, try to try to broil a little bit more. And no frying and no charring. <laughs> but, you know, people that are, people, I mean, there's, there's cable shows on grilling. I mean, so it's a big deal, big deal. So um, if you do need some help uh, with the the elimination channels, if you need help with the liver, the digestive system, if you need to reverse an issue, definitely give the folks at thepowerherbs.com a call at 866-229-3663. That would be the folks at Apothecary Herbs. Uh, Thepowerherbs.com is their website. And uh, they can send you a free catalog at the very least, and you can look it over and call them with questions. And, uh, you know, get empowered. You have that power to change things right now. And it's not going to be that easy for some of you. Some of you, it's going to be easy. Just don't let it go too long. It's easier. The sooner you get to it, the better it'll be. And you take the power back, and it's within your reach. It doesn't cost you a whole lot of money. Yeah, healthy and well, doing your thing. Don't need a copay. No insurance card required. Thepowerherbs.com, 866-229-3663. Oh, I can see by the clock I'm out of time. But I hope you all have a great weekend, and I'll be back next time. The information presented is not intended to diagnose, treat, prevent, or cure disease. Seek medical advice from a licensed medical physician, if you dare, before using any product or therapy. I'm your herbalist, Wendy Wilson. Until next time, be well.
Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, and Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.